Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From the news center outside the city of Chicago in the great Midwest, it's the Stranger Than Fiction News right here on the Fringe FM. I'm Vance Nesbitt. Here's our headlines. People are still drinking bleach and vomiting along with other serious side effects. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration this week released an important health warning that everyone should heed. Drinking bleach is dangerous, potentially life-threatening, and you should not do it. The FDA says that the products have been hard to scrub out because of claims on social media where the drinks are promoted along with false health information. Most of the claims can be traced back to Jim Humble, founder and archbishop, of the Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing, also known as the Church of Bleach. The warning may seem unnecessary, but guzzling bleach is an unfortunate and persistent problem. Unscrupulous sellers have sold miracle bleach elixirs for decades, claiming that they can cure everything from cancer to HIV, AIDS, hepatitis, flu, hair loss, and more. And some have promoted it to parents as a way to cure autism in children, prompting many allegations of child abuse. Source Ars Technica. And an asteroid warning. A town-sized rock is heading for Earth. A potentially hazardous asteroid big enough to have global consequences is heading Earth's way with a close approach next year. The massive space rock known as 1998 OR2 is currently swinging around the sun and will be heading Earth's way next year. NASA estimates the object is between 1.8 and 4.1 kilometers wide, a size which could cause global devastation on Earth. The asteroid is set to swing close to Earth on April 29th of 2020, when it will be just 0.04 astronomical units from Earth. One astronomical unit is the distance between the Earth and the Sun, so coming within just 0.04 astronomical units is precariously close. With a maximum size of 4.1 kilometers, the asteroid could easily destroy a country the size of the United Kingdom. While next year's approach will be relatively close, 1998 OR2 will come even closer when it reaches its closest point in April 
2079. At that point, the asteroid, which takes 3.7 years to complete a full orbit, will fly by Earth at a distance of 0.01 astronomical units. Scientists estimate that a life-threatening asteroid, such as the one that put an end to the reign of the dinosaur, would collide with Earth every 100 million years or so. Source, The Express UK. And that brings us to the time to put on your stranger-than-fiction fringe fun fact hat. The monster in Frankenstein was never actually named, although the monster itself proposed the name Adam. This has been the Stranger Than Fiction News on the Fringe FM. Again, I'm Vance Nesbitt, news anchor and sorcerer. Broadcasting from a shack on a hill in the Mossy Creek bottoms of Cane Creek, Arkansas. This is Lighting the Void once again. I'm Joe Roop. Welcome. It is Thursday night. Excuse me. Wednesday night, August the 28th. Tonight our guest, Dr. Andrew Gallimore, is with us. And we're going to discuss what may be going on in the realms of the mind as it pertains to the psychedelic state. We are here in this place again to discuss DMT. What are these entities and beings that people are communicating with? This strange geometry that seems to be happening that these experiences are talking about and why it's so profound. Is it just a coincidence that the planet has given us ample opportunity and abundance in nature as it pertains to this structure, dimethyltryptamine and uh, psilocybin and more? Could there be a far distant alien race? I don't know. I'm trying to make contact with us in a different way. You know, we think about spaceships and uh, meteors and uh, fast radio bursts, and we're out there looking for all of these signals. But what if they figured out just how the mind and the brain functions? What if they knew something that we didn't and they were tapping into us a different way? 
I have lots of questions for Dr. Andrew Gallimore coming up. This is going to be an interesting discussion. And, uh, yeah, this is different. This isn't just about the DMT experience. There's an actual theory behind this. So we're going to get into that in a moment coming up. Uh, there is an event in Sedona. I want you guys to really sink this in. Like, if you're in the Sedona area, please stop by this event. It's the Transcendence event. It happens in September. I believe the date is the 28th. Our very own Suzanne Ross is going to be hosting this thing. And if you put in the code word on the website, LTV, you're going to get $25 off. And all you got to do is go to sizepy.tv forward slash events for, to sign up for that. And this is going to be one of those times where you might uh, actually have a transcendental experience. And if you've never had a transcendental experience and you've thought about it, uh, I would suggest that you go to this event. Also, this show is brought to you by getthetea.com ancientlifeoil.com, the best CBD oil on the planet, and preparewithafringe.com. Something I haven't done in a minute that I want to do, and I want to give a shout-out to our supporters. Um, And uh, I usually do this by first name only, so I don't offend anybody or scare anybody, and it just works out that way. But I know who you are, right? So just a quick shout-out to Mary, Lynn, Stephen, Travis, Ellen, Debbie, Joe, Barbara, uh, Mary, James, Grimerica, uh, Helancus, Larry, Patrick, Craig, Joseph, Blake, Amanda, Randolph, Samantha, Sharon, David. Thank you all so much for your support. If you can't support, please do so. We're at the end of the month, and we haven't quite reached our goals. So if you've always wanted to support, or if you've had a thought about it, now is the time. Uh, the donate button is there on the website. Also, head over to ufoseekers.com. If, by chance, you care about taking a journalistic approach to the UFO field. At UFO Seekers on Twitter is where you give them a follow on Twitter. If you want to see their best creative endeavors, then you go to YouTube.com forward slash UFO Seekers. And their website is UFOseekers.com. You can also give them a call, which I highly suggest you do, if you believe that you've had a UFO sighting, at 661-UFO-7889. Now, our guest, Dr. Andrew Gallimore, is a computational neurobiologist, pharmacologist, chemist, and writer who has been interested in the neural basis of psychedelic drug action for many years and is the author of a number of articles and research papers on the powerful psychedelic drug, which is N-N-dimethyltryptamine, well, it's known as DMT, as well as the book Alien Information Theory, Psychedelic Drug Technologies, and The Cosmic Game, which was released April of 2019. Now, you recently collaborated with DMT pioneer Dr. Rick Strassman, author of DMT, The Spirit Molecule, to develop a a pharmacokinetic model of DMT as the basis of a target-controlled intravenous infusion protocol for extended journeys in DMT space. So his current interests focus on DMT as a tool for gaining access to extra-dimensional realities and how this can be understood in the terms of neuroscience of the neuroscience of information. Now he currently lives and works in Japan. And if you want to go to a website tonight for reference, that is www.buildingalienworlds.com. You can also check out his book at buildingalienworlds.com forward slash book dot HTML. Follow him on Twitter at alien insect and Instagram at alien insect. I'm stoked about this one for sure, man. I can't wait to get in this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Gallimore, for coming on. Thank you, Joe. It's uh, nice to be here. Yeah, I um, I have so many questions about this, uh, and everybody, obviously, everybody's got so many questions about the DMT experience, right? It's like the so biggest, <laughs> biggest thing on everybody's mind. 
And you know what I think really triggered this whole thing big time here recently? And I know it's kind of cliche, but when Alex Jones <clears throat> went on Joe Rogan and started talking about the machine elves and what's going on behind yeah. the scenes, whether it's conspiracy theory or not, it did start making people think about some type of communication that was actually happening, not just a psychedelic experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, precisely. And uh, I was, um, I was a, uh, uh, one of the people watching that um, on YouTube, and um, I, I, I actually immediately I, I wrote an article about this, which is also on my website, because I think the 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 most so the knee jerk response to that is to say, oh, it's just Alex Jones, he's ranting and talking, not you know, he's crazy. Right. Uh, but actually, I think one should always step back and and actually take a more nuanced approach to these kind of things and you know personally i do take seriously the idea that dmt does facilitate access to uh, you know freestanding orthogonal realities that are populated by sentient you know intelligences often super intelligences or hyper intelligences we as we might call them and i do believe that dmt uh, allows us to establish communication with them so it's not a great leap to suggest that the those um, shadowy arms of the government, of the intelligence agencies, uh, don't also know this uh, and haven't known this for a long time and have not, you know, been exploiting this technology behind the scenes. So, what Alex says might sound crazy on the surface, but when you analyze it, it's <coughs> not so wild. Right, and you know what's funny about that? When he said that, it's almost like when he said that last sentence about you know aliens are communicating through with us through DMT. Uh, to yeah. do whatever and he stopped and held his hands up like a baby that just realized something you know <laughs> you know what i mean and he's like it was that that's what happens when you get stoned you, you turn into a baby sometimes right yeah, yeah yeah he just held his hands up in silence and he was like everybody just got real quiet and he's like man i think i could get killed for saying this stuff you know because <laughs> it was such a big epiphany to people and you know it made me think like look at what all we have done to try to talk to aliens. We're doing things at SETI and ESETI, and we've got all these different technologies that we're trying to find alien life somewhere out there in the universe. And who would have thought, if it wasn't for Terrence McKenna, I don't know if we would have ever looked inside the mind for this, ever. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Terrence McKenna used to, one of my favorite lines from Terrence McKenna, he said that using radio waves to uh, search for alien intelligence is as culture bound an assumption as searching the galaxy for a good Italian restaurant. Um, you know, this idea that these aliens that are perhaps, you know, many millions of years more advanced than us would still be communicating in such a, you know, a, a, a a kind of pitiful uh, using such a pitiful pitiful kind of technology is is, is kind of absurd and uh, Terence McKenna certainly uh, uh, was very keen to point that out as as was as is his brother Dennis McKenna as well and um yeah i think it's 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 almost impossible for us to imagine what an intelligence that was a hundred years more advanced than us might look like let alone millions or, or billions of years more advanced than us, uh, and perhaps an intelligence not of this universe. And so we really do have to consider that they are unimaginable uh, and unreckonable, uh, and that their technological prowess and cognitive abilities are uh, something that we uh, struggle to reckon with. Um, and thus we, we have to, we, we can't, restrict ourselves to these kind of parochial technologies 
that f- to us are so familiar and obvious, but might be ridiculously outdated uh, to an intelligence that is many millions of years more advanced than mm-hmm. us and may well have shed its material body and may well no longer exist in this sort of condensed meat form um, that we currently um, inhabit. Right. Like maybe they, an advanced, and it's, it's not entirely illogical, like, like you're saying, to think based on uh, quantum physics and entanglement and what they're doing with photons now to, to look way ahead and think, like you just said, well, maybe they did figure out the time and space was not that big of a limiter at all that everything was exactly. inside the mind you know that's where the portal was and even in religion well, exactly. uh mm-hmm. you see that they tell us this like the kingdom of heaven's inside you they always give you these hints there's just too many doorways pointing to this stuff you know yeah precisely yes and um i think people are now starting to wake up and uh, with the advent of modern things like virtual reality technologies and, and artificial intelligences, we start to realize that uh, an intelligence doesn't necessarily take the form of a, a meat-based being with a, with a skull, you know, uh, and a skull and with kind of a gelatinous lump of matter in, in inside uh, inside. Uh, but actually, intelligence can take quite exotic forms that we would not even perhaps recognize. Uh, as intelligence, and um, there's and there's the kind of limits that we have in terms of uh, spatial and uh, temporal limits, and, and limits to how we can communicate as humans may simply not apply. Uh, and and it may be that they have indeed found a way to access us um, as much as we have discovered or discovered perhaps their message, their tool, perhaps uh, their technology that has been perhaps implanted within our. Uh, within our reality and that we are you know just now learning to uh, just discover and are, are learning to to use uh, and um yeah we have to take these ideas seriously now to me you're a com- okay so you're a computational neurobiologist pharmacologist and chemist to me it's almost like god put you here on this earth uh <laughs> to look at this right this subject to figure this out now can you help me and my southern simple mind understand what computational neurobiology is? Yes, yeah, so so neurobiology generally is 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 the study of the brain. Um, it's it's trying to understand um, how the brain works by looking at its structure and the way it behaves and and all that kind of thing. Uh, and then computational neurobiology is using computational models and mathematical models to try to understand the brain. The problem with trying with researching the brain, particularly if you're interested in how the brain works uh, in a living brain, is it's it's such a complex system. You can't. It's not like um, if you had a car and you kind of took it apart and you could kind of work out what all the pieces did and how they functioned. The brain is is immensely, exponentially more complex than that, uh, and it's made from very very small, highly uh, in, uh, com- um, uh, highly interconnected subunits that are you know microscopic and connected together in bewilderingly kind of complex ways um and so you can't just take it apart and look at it you have to actually look at very small parts and kind of build theories ideas about how they might work and then you can model those on a computer to try to understand uh what actually might be going on so it's it's using computers and mathematics to try and understand the brain gotcha okay Mm. which is uh seems like a huge task to begin with so you've got to be 
one of the probably the most analytical people on the planet. Thank God for that, right? Thank God we've got you. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Kind of off subject, though. I don't. I read an article about, and I, I don't know if you know the truth about this or not, and I want to ask while I have you. They did some type of experiment that I read in this article where they cut the flesh of a brain, and they separated the parts, the tissue, and saw that, that it was still transmitting signals without the tissue actually being connected. Is that true? Did you hear anything about that? Just a shot in the dark. Um, well, I mean, I'm not quite sure exactly which the experiment that you're talking about, but it's certainly true that brains, the brain does operate as a unified kind of unit. Uh, but also you can also remove parts of the brain. You can even remove, uh, isolate single cells from the brain and they, they display activity. That doesn't mean they're thinking or that they can do much. Uh, but but yeah, you can certainly take a part of brain and, and chop it up, um, and it will each piece will 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 exhibit some kind of uh, activity. It's, it doesn't kind of shut down complete, completely. So so yes, th- there could be some truth to that. Yeah, I believe I'll find it later. But I believe the article was something about how it was still communicating with the other pieces, and I was like, what? It's wireless too? Okay, oh. you know. Oh, I see. Um, That's interesting. That would be that. That would be very, very unusual. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. no physical connection. Yeah. Well, you know how articles are, man. They get on the web mm-hmm. and then they spread like a disease. Sometimes, you yeah, know, yeah. before oh, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. figure out if they're true or not. Um, exactly. So, tell me, what have your? I'm assuming that you've partaken in this journey of DMT, though, right? I'm assuming I'm correct on that. Well, I can neither confirm nor deny that, Joe, but I think you probably assume. (laughs) Okay, so what made you think about using computational neurobiology? Like, what triggered that? Say, man, I really need to put this on a grid or or look at protocols that are like, you know, using a computer. What made you get into that? Yeah, well, I didn't start that way, Joe. I mean, I didn't start as a neurobiologist. I mean, if, if you if my kind of career or description really should have started with chemistry and then moved into pharmacology. When I originally got interested in psychedelic drugs when I was a teenager, I was interested in the drugs themselves and, you know, their chemistry and their structure. And I found that kind of fascinated and thinking about how they kind of interface with the human body and with the brain. Um, but you, that's only half the picture. I mean, one has to also understand the, uh, you know, what the brain itself in order to understand how a drug can affect the brain, so the 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 kind of the neurobiology part of my my academic career has actually it's been in the last sort of uh, sort of ten years, so to speak. Whereas the first half was much more sort of uh, low level chemistry and pharmacology. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But um, I I think the computational side, if if you really want to explore novel hypotheses about what the brain is doing and, and psychedelics it's very difficult to do that in humans you can't um very difficult to manipulate the brains of humans you know real living human beings for ethical reasons obviously um and it's also extremely complex uh, and animals well i'm not really particularly interested in animal research in psychedelics because an animal can't tell you whether it's tripping or not um, it can shake its head. It can, you know, um, run around in circles or whatever, uh, but it can't tell you that it's tripping. So for me, the the two most important fields in neuroscience currently, in terms of psych- psychedelic drugs, is the the neuroimaging work. So looking at the um, the activity of the brain. What is the brain doing when um, a psychedelic drug is present, and how does that relate to the subjective experience of the user? 
Uh, and on the other hand, there's the, the computational side of actually building models to try and replicate and model what, what these things are doing. And they kind of complement each other. I, I sit on the computational side, so I don't actually have to work with humans. Um, but there are some really outstanding teams now, particularly the, the Imperial College London team, who are really pioneers uh, at looking at what is happening to the brain, how the, the activity of the brain is changing when um, when, when a psychedelic drug is, is administered. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I'm with you so far on that. Now... <laughs> When you hear people talk about machine elves, okay, mm. so there's a few things. I, I've, I've went on some YouTube binges, right? I think all of us have done that. Specifically, YouTube binges on listening to people talk about what they saw uh, in the, this experience. And what, mm. I've, what I found most interesting were two things I heard were machine elves or some machine elvish-like creatures. Uh, and the other one was some type of framework uh, where they could see people talking or they could see or hear people speaking around them. Um, I even had an, uh, one incident where I was watching another guy talked about how there was a cross. He could see like the cross of reality or something. And there were figures moving behind it, talking like he was about to wake up or something. And so I wonder, do you think that this is a threshold or this is more like a, and this is just theory, obviously, uh, more like a system of communication. Um, what do you mean by a threshold? Well, you hear people talking about breakthrough experiences. Now, I've never, yes. I've never done this, right? But I've listened to Terrence McKenna and obviously everyone else talk about it. And it seems like that in my mind, there's a threshold there, almost as if we're about to really wake up for real but our brain is still filtering some type of uh, geometrical patterns and the construct of what we call reality. And if it wasn't for the fact that we were attached to this body, we would go ahead and just go on. Right. Does that right, sound right? Well, I mean, it, it, it's possible. There are many interpretations of what's going on. I think that the, the, the problem really in trying to get a grip on the, the DMT state is that people often have poorly, framed questions about it i'm not talking about your questions no 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 i'm sure <laughs> but, mine are poorly framed as well i've never done it you know but, but no it's 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 serious i mean people will say to me oh is, you know, is it is it real or is it is it not real or you know are these these entities these machine elves are they real or not and 
And and people ha- don't. If if I ask them, you know, what do you mean by real? They often struggle to give me an answer. Mm. And, and so you know, this is a problem. It's like, what do we mean by real versus unreal? Um, and so what I think I've, I've brought to this discussion is to actually bring, try frame these questions from a neuroscientific perspective and think about, you know, what is, you know, what, first of all, if you're going to answer questions about the DMT world and the beings within it, you first have to understand the normal kind of what we would call the waking consensus world, the world we ordinarily experience if you don't understand that and what that's about and how that is constructed by the brain then you've got no chance of, of, of getting to grips with the dmt experience so i always start from there i always i've always asked from the beginning you know how does the brain build your world because you're you you always live from the moment you're dragged from the womb uh, and, until you uh, take your last breath you are uh, and perhaps beyond um you are you are immersed within a world, and this is what we generally refer to as a phenomenal world, a subjective world. Right. Um, this is the world, the only world you will ever know. Um, however, that world will differ depend upon, depending upon different circumstances. When you're awake, your brain is basically constructing a model of the environment, which it is then testing against sensory information. Um, so your brain is constantly kind of building a model of what it thinks should be correct and it's testing it making small predictions about what should happen next uh, and then it will change its model if, if, it, if it gets things wrong uh, and that's going on all the time um, so the brain is constantly in conversation if you like with the environment uh, but always the world that you experience is still constructed entirely by the brain um, and that applies whether you are waking but it also applies if you get when you dream at night so when you dream you you descend into a world uh, that is often more often than not or very very similar to the waking world because it's constructed by the brain in exactly the same way the difference however is that the brain no longer is able to have this conversation with the environment it no it's the information from the environment is cut off um and so the brain has to kind of construct the model without reference to information without the constraint and modulation of sensory information, which is why the dream world tends to be very similar to the waking world, but seems to be slightly less predictable. It seems to be less stable. It seems to shift from scene to scene and things like that and become can become quite bizarre. Um, and then we can apply that to, to the DMT world. The DMT world is also constructed by your brain as a model of, and this is the interesting question, um, is the brain constructing this model of the DMT world purely without any access to any information from an environment, or is it constructing this DMT world uh, using information from some other place, um, i.e. what would be this other reality? And, and to me, that's a much better question. Um, is the DMT world kind of like a, a different type of dream world that's disconnected from all sensory information? In other words, the brain's just making it up all by itself, or uh, is it like more like a waking world, but a different waking world where the brain is constructing the world, but using information from some other reality? That's a much more uh, well-defined uh, question than simply saying, is it real or not real? hope that makes sense. Yeah, so what is, what's, its, what's its reference, so to speak, for creating yes. what you're experiencing? Exactly. And that's the key point, because it's very simple to say 
uh, oh, it's just hallucination. You know, your brain's just making it up. But actually, uh, your brain is not that good at just making up worlds, or at least it shouldn't be. Your brain has learned to construct your normal kind of waking world over really millions of years of evolution. It takes a long time for a brain to to learn to construct a stable model of the environment in such rich detail. Um, you know, you just look around you now, you just think of all of that information that your brain is generating from moment to moment. You know, it's, it's incredible. Um, the idea then that when you take a drug, the brain suddenly is able to construct this bizarre hypertime technological alien environment that has no relationship to the normal waking world. Um, you know, I always say it's kind of like somebody who only speaks English suddenly switching into speaking fluent Siberian Yupik, um, you know, speaking some completely alien language or Japanese or Chinese. Uh, you know, you would say that's impossible. They never learned to speak that language. Well, it's kind of the same. Uh, the brain shouldn't really know how to construct these bizarre realities that, that, you know, that seem to have commonalities, so many commonalities between users. Many users seem to go to the same place. How did the brain learn to construct that unless the brain is actually receiving some information? There is some reference, uh, some other true reality within which these intelligences reside. And, and so is this kind of where you start to, to look at things in your book? Is that where you start to present uh, certain things that are being presented to us to where we can try to figure this out? Well, I think, I mean, I, I wrote a, my, the first paper I wrote on, on this topic is, is to actually analyze that assumption about that it's just hallucination and say, does it hold water? And um, and I came to the conclusion that actually it's very difficult to simply dismiss DMT, the DMT state is simply hallucination because, you know, neuroscientifically from what we know about how the brain works and how the brain constructs our reality, it, it simply it seems untenable um, that the brain can suddenly start constructing these realities. So this is when I first started taking the DMT state seriously as a a place that is actually there wherever that wherever it is and that is and that the beings that we meet do actually possess subjectivity they are actually conscious intelligent beings that we can communicate with uh, and so the book is really about trying to put that all together into a coherent narrative you know where did the dmt come from uh, where did our world come from you know what is the relationship between our normal kind of three-dimensional plus time world uh, and this bizarre hyper-dimensional world to which DMT seems to gain access. You know, can we bring it all together into, into a model of reality and a model of the brain and a model of DMT that actually explains where we came from, where we are now, and um, perhaps where we're going? Wow. And who doesn't want to read a book about that? I do. Yes, please. Uh, psychedelic Everybody drug. Should, yes. Yeah, right. Psychedelic drug technologies and the cosmic game. That's the book. It's out on Amazon right now. A very good price for the hardcover, actually. Um, yeah, we'll be right back with Dr. Andrew Gallimore. You're listening to Lighting the Void Radio. I love magic and I'm lighting the void 
Each and every week, you will get to hear shows about magic, mysticism, and many other subjects that stretch your mind and imagination. So when I got my mind on the magic and the magic on my mind, I listened to Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM. It's magic. May the gods look with favor upon you. You're wondering what we're going to do to you, aren't you? This is Corbin, son of the one and only Joe Root, and you're listening to the Fringe FM. Hi, this is Chronox from Belgium, and you're listening to Lighting the Void with Joe Roop. Did you know that qualified patients can access medical cannabis in all 50 states? Anasense is a medical cannabis collective that helps patients in all 50 states gain access to cannabis medication. Anasense does this with a streamlined process and strict compliance with the Compassionate Use Act of 1996, the Affordable Care Act, and the U.S. Constitution. It is important for each patient to understand the legalities involved, the costs, and the benefits of cannabis medication. Through truth, legalization, and education, the medical benefits of cannabis will supplant recreational perceptions and the real vision for change will be realized let the people and their personal doctors take control of their medical cannabis decisions before the greed of big business takes over the tipping point for change is today and canasense is ready to lead the charge and enable legal access for all qualified patients to medical cannabis through its proven system for more information go to the friends.fm forward slash care or click the banner on the website today come Walk through the mossy creek and up the hill. Never mind the flashing lights and otherworldly shadows. They stay hidden within the trees. Come, step up to the shack and begin your journey to the answers that you seek. This is Lady Anne, and you are listening to Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM. Folks, this is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? ancientlifeoil.com. Our CBD is made from hemp and has 0.003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take, what does CBD do for the body? My hands are tied, but you can Google CBD benefits and be astounded. When you're finished reading, you'll want to log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with, (laughs) you fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. Alex This is Alex Exum of the Exum Experience and Live Talk, where we discuss current events, society, and culture. My shows are based in actuality, actual existence, contrasted with what was intended, expected, or believed. You can listen to me live Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 7 p.m. only on KTLK The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, and I want to remind you to keep your radio, phone, tablet, or computer tuned to The Fringe FM. And visit the website, thefringe.fm, to listen to the entire lineup of shows. You can also catch my broadcast, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, beginning at 12 a.m. midnight U.S. Pacific Time, right here on The Fringe FM. 
listening to Lighting the Void. The call-in number is 1-800-588-0335. If you would like to text, you can text in at 501-777-5631. Welcome back to Lighting the Void. Tonight we're speaking with Dr. Andrew Gallimore and we're discussing his book, Psychedelic Drug Technologies and the Cosmic Game. And uh, a computational neurobiologist is what he is now, as well as a pharmacologist and chemist. He's also done some presentations. You can find them on YouTube as well. All you got to do is really go to YouTube and just search Andrew Gallimore. And if you go to buildingalienworlds.com, that is the website for reference. There's a blog there and some writings as well. Um, you know, I, I get what you're saying about the asking the right questions. You know, I'm a big fan of, of uh, asking the right questions when it comes to all of the stuff that we talk about. But one thing that I'm curious about, and I know that you've noticed, is there is a definite um, cause and effect with people that do this for the most part. It seems like everyone that's ever had this experience has some type of an awakening or they become more aware or they start to, to look at things differently. They become more open-minded to me. That smells highly of, okay, something put this here on purpose. Yes. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. There's the, the experience, particularly the first time is shattering um, um, I use that word deliberately. It really does shatter any concept. You go into the the experience perhaps with your own model, your own version of what you think the world is, um, and DMT shatters it and kind of throws it back in your face and says, you know, have I got news for you, so to speak? As Terence McKenna used to say, you know, this is this is an it, it's a soul shattering experience that destroys. Um, all of your reference points instantaneously and replaces them with something that simply cannot could cannot be imagined and could never have been imagined by you prior going into that state and that is shocking um it's a shocking experience um it up uproots um you know the foundations of, of all of your assumptions your all of your kind of ontological assumptions are uprooted um you know you know uh, there's a number of ways to express this but i i hope i'm making myself clear you know this is yeah. really something extraordinary it's impossible it's you you are experiencing the impossible and so it really doesn't surprise me whether you are an atheist or a catholic uh, or a hindu or muslim when you go into that um you you come out with a a completely fresh idea of, of what rea- what is possible uh, and what reality truly is. And it's very difficult to go back, um, I think. And, and for many people, they say, OK, that's it. I never want to go there again. That was just too much. I want to forget it. And the brain will kind of half kind of do the job for you. It tends to whether it's repressing it or whether it struggles to form memories of the experience. Um, one of the frustrating things about DMT is that um, it's very difficult to remember details unless you're very, very experienced with it. And so people will often come out of the, the state and go, oh, my God, you know, what was that? You know, and they're ram- ranting and raving. And then two minutes later, they they kind of forgotten uh, what happened. So 
it's 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 paradoxical in that it is earth shattering and yet often you will kind of forget what was so earth shattering about it uh, a few minutes later and then it kind of, for some people that's enough whereas for some people other people who are a bit more intrepid uh that's an, an, another reason to go back say oh my god what was what the hell was that i need to go back again uh and, and see that again because i really cannot believe what just happened to my mind and what just happened um to my reality so truly an awakening experience now as it relates to things to like uh, lsd psilocybin uh peyote this is what you're saying is this experience is way it's something different is it totally different in your opinion well um yes i mean there, there are there are, diff- there are qualitative and quantitative differences. So qualitatively, so in other words, the type of experience, you know, what, are, what is the content like? What is the, the structure of the experience? Uh, DMT does seem to be unique. Um, however, um, w- with very high doses of psilocybin mushrooms, for example, and psilocybin actually is very closely related to DMT structurally. The active compound in magic mushrooms, um, psilocybin, is converted to a chemical called psilocin, in the body and this is only one oxygen atom away from dmt um, and some people say that very very extremely high doses of mushroom are, are almost indistinguishable from dmt um, but what separates dmt out is is the ease with which you can enter this space you need sort of 30 milligrams uh, which is you know a, a good lung full or two will do it and you, you know you're gone it's extremely difficult to get to that kind of level with with magic mushrooms uh, because it's well it's extremely difficult to, to consume that many magic mushrooms uh, to enter that space whereas with dmt it's it's simple it's extremely simple it's an extremely democratic drug uh, pretty much anybody um who, who can watch a, a couple of youtube videos could make dmt you know it's it's not difficult it's everywhere um, it's uh, in countless plant species scattered across the globe. If you look, open your window now and look outside in your garden, there are probably a handful of species that contain some level of DMT. You know, it, nature is drenched in DMT, as Dennis McKenna likes to say. Um, so DMT is special uh, in that way. It's special in many other ways as well, but particularly the uh, the ubiquity of DMT uh, and the ease with which one can use it to actually burst through into these realms that are you know unimaginable you know i mean it's it's astonishing really that such a common and simple compound that is basically present everywhere you look holds the keys you know it really does hold the keys to exiting this universe entirely and that's that's uh, that is astonishing with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Interesting. You say exiting the universe. I, you know, if you would have told me that 10 years ago, to be like, this guy's out of his mind, right? <laughs> but if you listen to enough McKenna, right? This guy's, mm. McKenna was no dummy. You know, he studied no. lots of things. And instead of him saying, you know, heaven, going to heaven after you die is the precipice of experience or um, relationships or love, he pointed directly at DMT and said that this is where the answers are. This is the biggest thing that we need to be looking at. This is going to change things. And for somebody as smart as he is to say that, that's what really got my attention, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Terence McKenna used to say, "DMT is not a secret; it is the secret." He was he was convinced, as am I. Um, you know, I was semi convinced before I'd even hypothetically taken DMT. Right um, after that event, um, I I knew basically that yeah, that, that this was something that this was it. You know, I kind of found the philosopher's stone. You know, this was the secret. This was the key. Uh, and, and that it must be studied and that I must, you know, pick up the mantle, so to speak, and actually try to work out or, or do, do my best. It leads to kind of point in the right direction of, of trying to understand what this is. What, what is this technology that's embedded in our reality? Uh, how can we employ it as a technology? Um, I think that it's incumbent upon us um, to not just take DMT for granted and, and use it as kind of a toy um, to kind of burst into this uh, this kind of space and then kind of exit five minutes later. I think if we do take this this DMT space seriously, which I do, uh, and, and take seriously the idea that these entities are conscious and that they do want to communicate and that, that we have the opportunity for extended two-way communication, which in my opinion would be the most remarkable discovery in the history of the human race by some margin, um, then we should take the DMT as a tool seriously and we should think about, well, what, how do we use it? Um, what is the way to employ this technology towards that aim? Uh, and it ain't sitting on a rug and, and smoking it in a little glass pipe. You know, that's efficient but rather primitive and basic technology. Uh, you know, it's, it's the horse-drawn cart, whereas we should be thinking towards the rocket ship, so to speak. You know, we should be thinking about, you know, what really is the best way? You know, how can we use our technologies, the technologies that we have here on Earth, that we have developed as, a, as an intelligent species um, of some merit? You know, how can we actually bring those to the table with, uh, in the, uh, the, um, the employment of DMT as this technology for establishing communication with these uh, vast numbers of uh, extremely uh, highly developed and very old intelligences. Yeah, and I mean, come on, let's look at uh, ancient Egypt and Sumeria, all of the symbolism they used with the pine cones and pineal this. It's it's in everything. It's even in the Bible, I think, in uh, where Jacob was wrestling with the angel and he said, I'll call the, the place Peniel, which is the face of God, or I've seen the face of God. It's just in everything, and it makes me think. To me, at first, I got to be honest with you, um, Andrew. At first, I got kind of disappointed. I'm like, really? Is this what everything has been talking about spiritually? Is a, a substance that we take or that we can ingest, or this is what the ultimate spiritual experience is about? And it it made me feel disappointed. 
but I could not mm-hmm. stop looking at the facts of all of these coincidences lining up in symbolism and metaphor and history. Um, and so after listening to everybody's stories, it does make me wonder if we're not being guided by something uh, in a way that's putting this in nature, almost like either knowing that we're going to come in contact with it soon enough, or maybe they're hoping that we do. And that's the whole plan. I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, precisely. And that this is something that I, I discuss at, at length in the book is the idea that DMT is kind of a, uh, a message um, that's embedded in the reality, but a message that could only be read, decoded and understood by uh, an intelligent species. Um, more, almost like an intelligence test, if you like. Um, if you think about DMT, you know, it is, it is everywhere. Uh, true, it's in countless plant species as well as animal species as well. Uh, and yet the, the intelligence required to actually identify it uh, as this, this tool, to actually isolate it and purify it and then learn how to use it, that's not something that a being with um, you know chimpanzee levels of intelligence could ever even hope to achieve. This requires highly sophisticated technological and uh, sophistication and cognitive uh, acumen to do that. And so, so the, it's a it's a message which is everywhere, and yet only uh, the most evolved uh, intelligent species would ever be able to, to to identify the message as the message. And then to actually decode it and, 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 and use it. And this is the kind of stage we're at now within this kind of cosmic game, as I refer to it uh, in the book, um, is we're at the stage we've, we've just discovered the technology. Back in, 19, in the 1950s, Stephen Zara, this Hungarian chemist, discovered that DMT was this uh, hallucinogen, this uh, psychotomimetic, they called it in those days. Uh, and now we're, we're learning what DMT means and how it works and um, that it may actually be this tool for communicating with alien intelligences. And, and we sort of starting to realize now that, yeah, we have to treat it as a technology uh, and, and learn how to actually use the technology. Um, so that's the stage we're at. We're certainly not near the end game as such. We're just kind of at the beginning of perhaps the, um, the final chapter. When you hear people talk about because uh, there's a lot of I've come across naysayers too, so they talk about well th- these are just glorified drug users, which to me I'm like wow I mean okay I don't even want to have a conversation going down that road, um, but then I the one thing that does get my attention though is when people say well you can do this naturally you don't need to ingest anything you don't need to take it intravenously if you learn the proper techniques that are taught in some mystery schools. Or whatever you know you could learn this naturally and it's actually more safe and all of that what are your thoughts on that well i mean a lot of people say that a lot of people that do say that and i hear that a lot as well are people that have never taken dmt uh, so they kind of have this vague um kind of fuzzy idea of what the dmt state is perhaps they're seeing they imagine that when you smoke dmt you just kind of see bright colors or see kind of geometric shapes the kind of thing you might achieve uh, in a meditative state, for example, using certain types of breathing techniques. However, um, you know, if that's the case, these these people are way off the mark. Um, you know, it's impossible for someone 
um, if it was somebody who'd actually smoked DMT and they said, oh, I can achieve it without using DMT, I would be extremely surprised. And I'd be very interested in them actually demonstrating this in some way, perhaps, um, you know, uh, you know, using their blood sampling data to actually say, you know, can we detect any changes in their, in their, in their, in their chemistry, in their, in their physiology that would indicate they are actually having uh, a DMT type experience. But I, I'm certainly not convinced. Some people are very angry at me for saying that. There's a handful of people that really are convinced that you can breathe your way to the DMT state. Uh, and perhaps it is possible, but I am not. Uh, I'm not in the camp that that takes that idea uh, as being something that is uh, definitively the case. I think the most, by far, the most reliable way uh, and a completely safe way, by the way, uh, of achieving this state is to ingest DMT. It is not a harmful molecule. Um, it is completely innocuous, as far as we know. It doesn't it has no negative effects on you know your phys- your physiology right. either external or internal to the brain so yeah i'm not convinced that breathing is going to do it yeah like uh terrence mckinney used to say you're not going to have a a hangover or a, a withdrawals or cocaine binges and stuff like it just exactly. comes in naturally yeah. and goes out naturally which i also yes. find fascinating but all of this talk still just makes me so more anxious because i'm gonna be mm-hmm. honest with you guys i don't care what the law says like i want to do this i want to have this experience um if if i do though i do worry about the dangers of this and when i talk about the dangers obviously you know what i mean like i don't know if there's been any cases of people that od'd on this stuff i don't know you hear mixed stories but um are there any real dangers to this in your opinion i'm not saying that you're promoting it or whatever but what is the most dangerous thing about this experience, you think? Well, I mean, Terence McKenney used to say that the only danger is death by astonishment. And, right. um, you know, and that was a little quip. But actually, um, I think it's in terms of the physiology, there's nothing physiologically that would concern me about DMT unless you had some kind of underlying condition, um, you know, the same kind of medical condition that would preclude you from going on a roller coaster right if they stop you and say hey you can't go on the roller coaster you have a heart condition or you have you know very high blood pressure or 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 these kind of things that would make a traumatic experience uh potentially dangerous then dmt is dangerous but of course it's not the drug that's doing that um you know going on a roller coaster um a disney world or something that would that would perhaps do the same thing um so so in terms of toxicity and direct um, toxic effects of the drug, they don't exist. So, so that's that seems to be the case. Now, so the dangers seem to be if if you're a completely healthy person, um, seem to be really the, the psychological. You know, are you ready for this experience? Are you ready to be shown something that is going to astonish you? Uh, in ways that you could not, you, you could never possibly imagine. So I think it's not something that should be taken lightly, um, just because it's safe. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Physiologically, doesn't mean that you should go in there and you know rub your hands together and go, great, let's go. Um, this is this is these are very bizarre realms that are populated with a a diverse range of intelligent beings that vary as much in their character as their intent. So, you know, it's not all sweetness and light in that. You're not just going to meet fairy godmothers um, and, you know, amorphous beings of light that kind of cradle you in their arms. You will um, likely meet those kind of beings, uh, but you're also going to meet some beings that are uh, quite menacing, perhaps, or that have a visually objectionable in some way, or that seem to have some kind of malicious intent. Um, that doesn't mean they can actually harm you, but they will certainly frighten you um, and might take great pleasure in, in making you think that they uh, kind of have some kind of power over you and that they can harm you. Um, so, you know, you have to, one has to be prepared uh, that 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 kind of thing can happen. Um, you know, it, it, don't take it lightly. It is a, ha- a hell of a drug. Well, I'm, I'm asking you a lot of these same questions. A lot of people get only because of your, your background. That's all. I know you get yeah, these yeah. questions a lot. Um, and, and I apologize if they're there. You're like, okay, this question again, but you know, for people like me that have never done it, when someone like you comes along with the education that you've had, I know I'm going to get a real answer. Right. I know I'm mm. going to get a straight answer from you about it. So I appreciate that. Um, the thing about it is, is uh, I think we all want to think that we are communicating with something other than ourselves. Now, in everything that I have studied when it comes to like mystery schools, Western, Eastern, uh, Carl Jung, the out of body experience, there's this idea that you're all of these characters and entities and things that you meet in these in these realms are just parts of yourselves. Even when it comes to things like demonic invocation and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is this experience something where you are pretty sure that we are communicating with something that is not ourselves, possibly something that's not attached to us? Um, I don't know in the mind, so to speak. Well, that's kind of a yeah. bad question, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, and I think it's 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 difficult because, um, well, I mean, I think the idea that these beings perhaps are fragments of of one's psyche um, in a kind of Jungian sense, the idea Carl Jung's idea that the the, the psyche can fragment and these or form these complexes, these autonomous complexes, he used to call them, uh, that may or may not be conscious and can appear to act entirely independent of us. That's a possibility. Um, what I struggle with using that, that kind of model is that these beings seem to have a level of intelligence um, that seems to be orders of magnitude, greater than any than any human uh and they seem totally alien they seem not just non-human as such but non-universe non this universe they don't seem like alien beings from another planet they seem like intelligences from 
a completely different type of reality. Uh, and so trying to fit that in to a, a, a model that, you know, this is just part of ourselves, um, I, I struggle a bit. I, I don't dismiss it. I think it's, it's, sure. it's a very, it's very worthy kind of idea. And Terence McKenna also discussed this a lot as well. And he, he felt that the elves perhaps were these little mischievous uh, trickster complexes that Jung uh, liked to write about. Um, and these are good, cool ideas, but I think we shouldn't assume that that's the case. And I think we have to take the idea seriously that they are actually completely separate or as separate as conscious beings are. Um, you know, there is an argument to say that 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 separateness of intelligence is, is itself is itself a kind of an illusion. We all we're all kind of different points of points of view, different perspectives of the same kind of underlying fundamental consciousness. You know, this is the this is the the Vedic, the kind of uh, the ancient kind of Hindu position that actually there's only one self, there's only one fundamental self, but that it has different perspectives and appears to be many different things. I kind of lean towards that perspective, so I don't think that that them these beings being part of ourselves and being separate beings is that they're, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think they're just perhaps slightly different ways of thinking about the same thing, which only clouds it. I'm afraid it doesn't really answer your question, uh, but it means that yeah, you know, the, the reality is never black and white, is it? It's always it's always kind of grey, and um, I think that uh, probably applies with these entities as, as well, is that they're partly us and partly not us, and somewhere in between, kind of Schrodinger's cat kind of situation, perhaps. Right, yeah. Very interesting answer, yeah. I'm, that's what I'm curious about, is that alone. Look, we're already at the top of the hour. I want to get into more of uh, your work specifically and, and how you're going about this, especially when it comes to your book, um, if you guys have any questions, I did open up the phone lines. If you want to call in and ask any questions, it's 1-800-588-0335. Uh, you can also call in at 501-424-5130 or use the Discord chat. And uh, if you get in there, just hang out, hang tight. I'll get right to you. All right, we'll be right back. To call Joe, pick up the phone now, 1-800-588-0335, toll-free from the United States or Canada. Listeners, this is Dave Cruz of Beyond the Strange, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Listen, I want to tell you about G.I. Joy from GetTheTea.com. It's the best alchemical concoction of goodies for your stomach and digestive system I can recommend, and that's all based on my experience. Packed with colostrum, acidophilus, aloe, peppermint, and turmeric. If you do your own research, then you know this is the bee's knees for the stomach and digestion. Now, due to Big Brother's ears and the eye in the sky, you know I can't go into the details about what it helped me with. All I can say is, I got relief. It's non-GMO, no fillers, no preservatives, manufactured right here in the U.S. of A., and delivered to you by the only people who stay on top of the game, 
and are out in front, go grab a bottle of GI Joy at GetTheTea.com and see what all the fuss is about. Again, that's GetTheTea.com. Hey, is that a new music app? Yeah, check it out. Surfer Music Discovery. It links to thousands of online stations, but the twist is you see the song names and artists that are now playing live. That's different. No guessing. Looks like a waterfall of music. So many formats. Rock, oldies, country, R&B, jazz, and a whole lot more. How's that spelled? Surfer. S-U-R-F-R. Is it expensive? It's free. No need to sign up or sign in. Get the Surfer Music app free from Google Play or the app. The Fringe FM isn't just a radio station. We also provide services for all your audio production needs. If you are interested in live radio or pre-recorded podcasts, we're here to help. We even do audio enhancements and voiceovers if needed. If you want to do a podcast or live radio show and even want the option to syndicate on terrestrial radio from simple audio file enhancement to live production and call screening, we have you covered. We have worked with some of the best professionals in the business in order to provide coaching instruction for content creation, show structure, and more. Contact The Fringe Digital Media for more at info at thefringe.fm. That's info at thefringe.fm. Or call 501-777-5631 for a consultation. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Bluto's Zen Buddhist Mantra Center and Discreet Loan Shark Service. Your one-stop shop for high-interest lending and eternal cosmic enlightenment. Remember our motto, we can't show you the sound of one hand clapping, but if you don't pay off your loan in time, we will introduce you to the sound of two kneecaps disintegrating. Every Saturday at midnight here on the Fringe FM, you can join me, Stephen Kennedy, the host of the Midnight Hour Show. On my show, we explore paranormal topics with a skeptical view. We search for evidence. We search for proof. We search for the truth. Because who better than me, my friends? A magician. A man trained in the art of deception and misdirection. Who better than me to investigate for you some of the greatest mysteries on planet Earth? And I hope you will join me. Every Saturday night here on the Fringe FM at midnight Eastern Standard Time for the Midnight Hour Show, 9 p.m. Pacific. I want you to join me here every Saturday night at midnight for an incredible journey. Consider yourself invited. Brand new episodes of the Midnight Hour Show available exclusively Every Saturday night, here on the Fringe FM, consider yourself invited. Join us on the Hey Google, I would like to become more intelligent about the unknown world around us, but I don't have time to read or go to school because I work all the time. What do you recommend? Try listening to Lighting the Void. It's the best way to become more intelligent about the unknown world around us. Besides, I happen to think Joe Roop is the most handsome voice in radio. Listen Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. till midnight Pacific time on the Fringe FM. Plus, you will hear a bonus feature called The Stranger Than Fiction News. Reported by Vance Nesbitt, news anchor and sorcerer. With all this information in one location, you are guaranteed to be more attractive to others in your social circle because you'll beam with intellectual wisdom. Yeah, I think I'll try that. 
listening to Lighting the Void Radio. All right, welcome back to Lighting the Void. We're with Dr. Andrew Gallimore. We're talking about his book, Alien Information Theory, Psychedelic Drug Technologies, and the Cosmic Game. A little bit different subject. Still talking about DMT, but we're looking at it uh, in a different way. And uh, in a different way, I mean, we're talking about DMT and computational neurobiology here, which now that I understand what that is, we're about to dive into that, uh, a little bit more into that, and hopefully we can get a better understanding of Dr. Gallimore's work. But first, I want to go ahead, and I would love to take this phone call, 619 area code. You are on the air with Dr. Andrew Gallimore. Who are we speaking with? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy. My name is Henry. Henry. Henry, hey, what's Henry. on your mind? Hi. Hey, good, hello. Hey, so I was, uh, I'm more of a skeptic more than anything, or I was, uh, I, I, at, at least in the last few years, but I've been studying it for a long time, and I was just wondering if the guest, if he has any, uh, you know, uh, direct information about the, the region of the brain. I only asked because I one time my biggest experience when I was done with it, I could feel my pineal gland in my skull for like a good 15 minutes. And part of it, when you say about uh, about risk, is the whole thing about Terrence McKenna, how he, he ended up with brain cancer, that is a big risk. Uh, that is something that freaked me out actually multiple times. That I'm, That's why I'm a little bit leery of going into it or, you know, advising it because he... He ended up that well, but that was rare, but you know how right. he was quite a, a head. So, so what is you know your, anything about what your specific question is about the dangers as it relates to brain cancer? Well, I mean, one thing, if he knows about anything you about how to direct like action on certain specific regions of the brain, if there's, you know, I'm sure he studied. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your question. I'll have to let that call go because there's quite a bit of background noise. I don't know what that is, but thank you for your question. Very, very good question. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Doc? Yeah, there's a few points there. So, I mean, in terms of we, we, we do understand what – so all drugs, when they 
uh, well, most drugs anyway, certainly psychoactive drugs, drugs that affect the brain and consciousness. Um, when they enter the brain, they, they tend to bind to specific very small proteins called receptors, and these are what's responsible for their effects. And we understand that with to quite a good uh, a high level of detail. We know what DMT is doing. We know what it's binding to, um, and we know basically the effects it's having in the brain. Uh, how that then relates to you know the bizarre worlds that you're catapulted into is a different question. Uh, but there's no great mystery uh, surrounding what DMT is actually doing uh, in the brain. Um, um, so that's which it's not acting. Uh, it's acting uh, on certain parts of the brain, uh, areas of the the outer layer of the brain called the cortex, uh, which is responsible for constructing your model of reality, basically. So it's, it's interacting with that part of the brain. Um, so that's kind of the first part of the question. Uh, in terms of the pineal, um, this pineal thing, this fascination or um, uh, that, that people have had with with the pineal for a long time, uh, I don't see it as being significant. It, it holds. There's a great lo- lot of mythology surrounding the pineal, uh, and and this is why I get a lot of pushback when I say I'm I'm a, I'm not really that interested but in the pineal because people are they're wedded to the idea that the pineal is is of great importance in terms of DMT. Now the pineal might be really important for other reasons that I'm not aware of, uh, but in terms of producing DMT, which is really all I can speak about, you know, I can't speak about whether the pineal is uh, allowing the soul to exit the body or something like that. What I can say is that we know the pineal is is really not up to the job when it comes to secreting or producing uh, DMT. Uh, so if, if people are think that the, the role of the pineal is to produce DMT, it's highly unlikely. The pineal is simply too small to produce uh, sufficient quantities of DMT that would allow one to you know, have a, a breakthrough DMT experience. So, yeah. Um, and also there's a very recent study in rats in rats admittedly uh, but they did find dmt in the brain of these rats um, and it was independent of whether or not the rats had a pineal so they actually were able to cut the pineal out and um and there was no no, no effect on the, the the dmt production in the brain and also in humans uh, people who have tumors pineal tumors often have their pineal completely removed and it doesn't seem to affect uh, it basically affects sleep in that they uh, their sleep-wake cycle is disrupted. Um, they might suffer from insomnia, but that's expected because the pineal produces melatonin, which is important for regulating the, the sleep-wake cycle. But they don't have any effects on dreams or you know any any other kind of psychological effects which would you would expect if the pineal is so such an important um, organ in in sort of consciousness and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so pineal. Um, Probably not. Uh, in terms of Terence McKenna's brain cancer, it almost certainly had absolutely nothing to do with his DMT use. There's no evidence whatsoever that um, uh, DMT is uh, um, carcinogenic or, or uh, has any kind of muta- uh, mutational effect on on brain cells. So it almost certainly wasn't. I mean, Terence McKenna, he wasn't a uh, one of these people who smoked DMT every day. I mean, he probably in his life smoked it 40, 50 times, something like that. Um, he, he, dis, he discussed it a lot, but he wasn't, he wasn't addicted or he wasn't kind of a daily user of DMT by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Terence McKenna's brain cancer was glioblastoma multiforma, which happens to be the most common and unfortunately the most aggressive and dangerous type of brain cancer. Um, so you know, he was just very unlucky. Um, it almost certainly had nothing to do with any of his drug use. Yeah, I mean, if you take a guy like uh, Dick Kahn, I'm sure 
I look, I, as far as competitions go, I don't know who's done more than what. And we, we know Terrence, his motto was like, take it, try it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there were other things involved in his life other than DMT, but, um, For sure. you know, it's a good question. It's, it's things we worry yeah. about. Like, how's it going to affect our brain? Is it going to cause the overgrowth of cells in our brain activity mm-hmm. stuff like that? You know, it's a reasonable question. Um, but, you know, and, and it's a question that Terence McKenna himself asked. He asked his his doctor and he says, you know, hey, doc, is it uh, is it the drugs? And um, and, and the doc said, no, it's 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 almost certainly got nothing to do with the drugs. You just happen to be one of these unfortunate people that gets struck by this, um, you know, in terms of brain cancer, it's a relatively common type of fatal brain cancer. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but you said the you don't find the pineal gland that important in all this right did i get you wrong there on that well in terms of dmt i mean there are, the, the the pineal gland is drenched in uh, mysticism and mythology and all this kind of stuff none mm-hmm. of which i can comment i can comment on um all i can comment on is is the kind of the neuroscientific aspects of, of the pineal you know what is what do people say is the relationship between the pineal and dmt and for a long time people have said that the pineal produces dmt perhaps during the dream state, which I don't believe. I don't think there's any evidence for that. I don't think it stands up to scrutiny. Uh, and perhaps at the point of death, the pineal produces large quantities of DMT. And now if that was the case, the, the pineal would have to be much larger because the pineal is used to is producing nanograms, micrograms of um, melatonin every night. Um, these are very, very small amounts, whereas it would have to start producing um, perhaps a thousand times more in terms of quantity to achieve uh, a kind of a level of DMT in the brain where it would actually have any psychological uh, effect. Um, so, it, you know, it's just not possible um, that the pineal is responsible for massive DMT production in the brain. Um, so that's as much as I can say. You know, I can say that the pineal is probably not involved in DMT production. I can't go any further. I respect that. I totally respect that. Love the honesty about it. Because, you know, honestly... If I'm being honest about it, I assume all this based on what people say because, you know, you're all good researchers, right? And to me, somebody in your field's obviously done your research on it. So that's perfectly fine with me uh, to know that, hey, maybe we all need to look at this a little bit more before we just yeah, assume yeah. that everything is coming from the pineal gland all the time. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Look at the research, maybe. Um, yeah. um, there's probably a massive amount of papers written on it. Uh, so... Okay, so with that being said, when people have uh, an encounter, and I talked to Whitley Strieber about this and other people that have had encounters with greys and and such, they've always been in some type of, uh, for the most part, uh, different state of consciousness, whether they're falling asleep, meditating, not sure, there's loss of time, things like that. So do you think that the DMT experience is directly related to those type of events when people have encounters perhaps more than an actual spaceship, you know, coming through the wall in somebody's bedroom, so to speak, without even thinking about what reality really is, just the fact that they're in a different state of consciousness. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have thought about this a lot and, and it's certainly, 
as have many people actually, because there seems to be this. Many people do describe seeing kind of alien type beings on DMT, uh, and they do describe having things done to them, like operations. You know, being on a table and 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 entities surrounding them and performing operations on them, which which certainly has parallels with these kind of alien abduction experiences. And one has to question whether these aliens these highly advanced aliens really are traveling from the far you know the further reaches of the universe to come into your bedroom at night or whether they are perhaps using some other kind of technology to access you which might be a uh, might involve uh, interfacing with your brain in some way whether that means elevating dmt in your brain or whether it's simply a, a similar kind of technology where they they whereby they can change your brain activity and thus allow them to kind of access your consciousness. That That is what I've thought about quite a lot because I'm not convinced that if you uh, necessarily, someone who was having an abduction experience, if you were in the room with them, that they wouldn't be just be laid there, you know, apparently asleep. I think that is possible as well. Uh, I don't think one necessarily has to invoke physical beings entering one's room, uh, but that they could indeed be using some kind of technology to to, to, to enter our consciousness without having to actually, um, you know, come here you know, physically, so to speak. Does that involve DMT? I don't know. There are, there are a number of characteristics of the DMT state that seem to be different uh, in that people don't normally see the classic grey alien uh, beings under the influence of DMT. Um, they do see other types of aliens, you know, reptilian type aliens, insectoid mantis type aliens, which people also describe in abduction experiences. But I think what what the DMT state does is opens up the possibility that just taking the abduction phenomenon seriously doesn't necessarily mean assuming a physical uh, the, the physical entrance of these these beings into your into your bedroom at night, but actually they could be using something else. And uh, John Mack, of course, who um, this great Harvard psychiatrist, um, the late great John Mack, uh, he uh, extensively, after considering this phenomenon and interviewing large numbers of abduction experiences uh, under under hypnosis, he came to the conclusion that perhaps this wasn't a purely physical phenomenon, um, but that 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 these aliens were in fact interacting in some kind of non-material way. What the nature of that, I think, is um, is is unknown, but uh, it's certainly it's it's worthy of consideration. Yeah, I think that there's something to it. I mean, that day Whitley came on, and you know, if you've read Communion, that book was read as if it was an actual alien abduction that came into his place of being where he was. It was kind of horrifying, right? Yeah. Um, but now, you know, he's had so many, he's went on so many different spiritual experiences that I had no idea about to the Monroe Institute, to studying the Sufis and this and that. And he's changed his mind a little bit about things saying, maybe this, there's something spiritual to this that I'm not understanding. And mm. it was really cool to hear him ask these type of questions because I always believed his story. Uh, even back in the old days when people were questioning it, I believe this story and you know, sometimes you can just tell, I don't know, but that's sometimes you can tell when someone's given you an honest experience. But the whole question that I think we should be asking ourselves is the reality of the situation. Like we, you mentioned earlier, uh, why don't we question what reality is before we say, Hey, is DMT real or not? 
We yeah, don't exactly. quite understand reality yet. All we know is DMT has given us something incredibly different than what we're yeah. used to, you know. You've hit the nail on the head there, exactly. You know, we really need to get to grips with, you know, what this, we used to sort of use the DMT experience, this extremely bizarre alternate reality to kind of inform um, our model of, of the normal waking reality and realize that our normal waking world is but a fragment, is but a, a thin slice of a much larger um, structure. And, and, and DMT can help us understand the relationship. You know, what is the relationship between our world and that world? And, you know, how is it possible that, that we can communicate with these beings with such facility? It's, 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 it's just an astonishing uh, time to be alive, to be, you know, uh, the time when actually this, this molecule has kind of revealed itself or we have discovered it uh, and are really starting to use it and to take seriously the idea that, that we, re we really could be. Uh, finally, we really could be establishing the existence formally and definitively the existence of uh, intelligence is not just beyond Earth, but beyond this universe and not just establishing the existence of them, but actually establishing two way communication with them. I mean, that would be, you know, that's, you know, astonishing to say the least. Right. Now, you don't seem the type of guy to me, Andrew, that would uh, do clickbait type things. In other words, your title, Building Alien Worlds. I know that means something to you, right? When you say mm. building alien worlds, yes. and I and I know this is not based on research. This this could be based on your theories, based on your research. Do you really mean that? Yeah. So building alien worlds. This is so it, it comes from the, the title of the very first paper I wrote on DMT was called Building Alien Worlds, and it's become the title of my website as well. Um, and it and it's really basically it it actually has a neuroscientific underpinning. So um, uh, the subjective world, as I said at the, the start of the show, the subject, your subjective world is always built by your brain. When you go to the DMT space, your brain is building a world. It's building a world that is entirely different from the, its normal waking world. Uh, and this is the alien world. So building alien worlds really refers to what is actually happening when you smoke DMT. Your brain is shifting from building this world, the normal parochial little lovely little fluffy white cloud world to building uh, a bizarre hyper technological hyperdimensional world replete with the diverse panoply of alien <laughs> intelligences you know right so that's 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 what it refers to actually yeah so you talked about earlier that the, the how the human brain was incredibly complex and there's this dance going on between what we see versus on what we're interpreting and it's almost like it's interdependent all the time um yes if that's the case then we are indeed in some form or fashion building the world that we see right is that what you're saying at all times we're we have exactly. some type of cause to it okay yeah we're, you're always building a world it's always a model uh, it's always a model of reality it's it's never the real thing so to speak whatever that would mean um if you if you want to go back to German philosophers, the uh, Immanuel Kant, who, re, who wrote who um, who wrote the um, uh, what did he write? But anyway, critique of pure reason. He wrote, wrote about the idea of the distinction between the phenomenon and the noumenon. So the phenomenon is the world you experience, your subjective world, the world you're always embedded within, and the noumenon is kind of the world in itself, independent of sensory experience and and that's the world is the noumenon is completely inaccessible to us we have no idea what the world really is like so to speak we only have access to 
our subjective world. And that subjective world is always built by your brain from moment to moment. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not related to what's going on outside the world uh, in the environment. Of course, you know, the brain is always sampling information through uh, the, you know, through the eyes, the ears, through the sense of touch and smell, all this kind of thing. All of this is information that goes into the brain and basically tells the brain, OK, your model of the world is kind of OK. It needs to be changed in this way. This didn't work. You made this prediction about the world. This didn't happen. Um, and so the brain is constantly updating its model, refining it uh, based upon information that it's getting from outside. But it's always building the model internally. It's always an internally generated uh, model of the world. This is why people, some people say that, that reality is kind of like a, a hallucination. It, it is really in a way. Uh, your, your world is always like a dream that you're experiencing. Uh, but it's a dream that is, has a mapping, has a connection to uh, in, you know, whatever is going on outside your brain, of course, except when you're dreaming, of course, then that connection is lost. Uh, and so the brain has to kind of do its best, um, which it does, you know, quite surprisingly well, actually. You know, it, the, the brain is very good at building the normal waking world, even when you are asleep, <laughs> uh, because it's it's learned to do it over over millions of years, you know, and throughout your life, you, you know, your, your brain was learning to construct a model of reality and it does it with you know, effortlessly now, uh, even if it has no access to sensory information as during dreaming. You know, it does make, it does make me wonder about, uh, man, we're already up on a break. This is where I wanted to go with this too. Okay. So it does make me wonder about the matrix, right? Um, and I know mm -hmm. that's an old, uh, metaphor, that story, but this whole idea of seeing through the veil, seeing the code behind the construct, um, yeah. When, you know, Neo could say as he started to realize that he's a part of it, building it and it's building him instead of having to even use his brain, he could just say no and stop bullets. Right. And so, like, this is the idea of um, of what people talk about when Jesus pierced the veil and all of these, you know, metaphors inside of uh, these uh, uh, myths. But mm -hmm. that could be based on the science that we know about the double slit experiment, what you're talking about, how the brain works, there could be some real truth to that, that we are indeed simply just loss of power, simply think that time and space, it's all could indeed just be in fact an illusion behind some construct that maybe we're only seeing a part of, or maybe even fuller parts of when we have a DMT experience. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Exactly. Exactly, yes. Um, so, you know, this one can go back to... But quite old ideas now about the so-called brain in a vat. And if you had a brain and you put it into 
just some kind of jar with the right nutrients. And if you fed that brain the right information, um, you know, electrically, um, you could make that brain think that it was in a, you know, it was walking around in a in the normal waking world, you know, because our place, our, our apparent place within this world, this real world that's around us, is 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 entirely informed by information that goes into the brain, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there is an external world out there. Uh, it just means the brain is receiving that information as if there would be an external world. So as in the matrix where these, the, the true human is, is within this kind of pod, uh, you know, and vat or whatever it is, uh, uh, they think that they're, you know, living their lives outside in the real world. Whereas in fact they're not, and they're actually part of this, uh, this whole kind of matrix, this, this control system. Uh, and that could be absolutely the case. There's, there's nothing scientifically or it's extremely difficult, I think, for us to prove otherwise. Um, and, and this is why I think the DMT state is so important because it, it offers perhaps a glimpse out as exactly as you said, um, perhaps the only way to truly know is to actually peek through the veil. Uh, and that DMT might indeed be that technology that has been embedded that allows us to peek through that this illusory kind of interface uh, that we assume is the real world, but in fact is merely uh, a constructed digital um, illusion. And, and DMT provides uh, access uh, to you know a conduit that takes us out of that this uh, illusion and perhaps into this this greater. Uh, greater reality that we are not, you know, most people are completely unaware exists. Wouldn't that be fascinating if all of our mythologies <laughs> and all of our beliefs and everything that we've ever been taught has been nothing but uh, stories surrounding a real construct that's behind, I don't know, the Matrix. A lot of people that yep. have had this DMT experience have said that that's exactly what's going on. We'll be right back with Dr. the new paranormal radio app from talk stream live you'll find a great selection of talk shows covering ufos ghosts strange phenomena and much more download the paranormal radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment including the network you're listening to right now the paranormal radio app free in google play and the ios app store From the News Center outside the city of Chicago in the great Midwest, it's the Stranger Than Fiction News right here on the Fringe FM. I'm Vance Nesbitt. Here's our headlines. People are still drinking bleach and vomiting, along with other serious side effects. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration this week released an important health warning that everyone should heed. Drinking bleach is dangerous potentially life-threatening, and you should not do it. The FDA says that the products have been hard to scrub out because of claims on social media where the drinks are promoted along with false health information. 
Most of the claims can be traced back to Jim Humble, founder and archbishop of the Genesis II Church of Health and Healing, also known as the Church of Bleach. The warning may seem unnecessary, but guzzling bleach is an unfortunate and persistent problem. Unscrupulous sellers have sold miracle bleach elixirs for decades, claiming that they can cure everything from cancer to HIV, AIDS, hepatitis, flu, hair loss, and more. And some have promoted it to parents as a way to cure autism in children, prompting many allegations of child abuse. Source Ars Technica And an asteroid warning. A town-sized rock is heading for Earth. A potentially hazardous asteroid big enough to have global consequences is heading Earth's way with a close approach next year. The massive space rock known as 1998 OR2 is currently swinging around the sun and will be heading Earth's way next year. NASA estimates the object is between 1.8 and 4.1 kilometers wide, a size which could cause global devastation on Earth. The asteroid is set to swing close to Earth on April 29th of 2020, when it will be just 0.04 astronomical units from Earth. One astronomical unit is the distance between the Earth and the Sun, so coming within just 0.04 astronomical units is precariously close. With a maximum size of 4.1 kilometers, the asteroid could easily destroy a country the size of the United Kingdom. While next year's approach will be relatively close, 1998 OR2 will come even closer when it reaches its closest point in April 2079. At that point, the asteroid, which takes 3.7 years to complete a full orbit, will fly by Earth at a distance of 0.01 astronomical units. Scientists estimate that a life-threatening asteroid, such as the one that put an end to the reign of the dinosaur, would collide with Earth every hundred million years or so. Source, The Express UK. And that brings us to the time to put on your stranger-than-fiction fringe fun fact hat. The monster in Frankenstein was never actually named, although the monster itself proposed the name Adam. This has been the Stranger Than Fiction News on the Fringe FM. Again, I'm Vance Nesbitt, news anchor and sorcerer. Hey, Fringe FM listeners. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or no Wi-Fi available, you can still listen to every minute of the Fringe FM by calling 701-719-3971. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. Saves your data plan and no extra cost if you have unlimited minutes. Call 701-719-3971. That's 701-719-3971. Listen to the Fringe FM on any phone, anytime, anywhere. You're listening to Lighting the Void. 
The call-in number is 1-800-588-0335. If you would like to text, you can text in at 501-777-5631. Andrew Gallimore is our guest tonight. We're discussing DMT. We're also discussing his new book, Alien Information Theory, Psychedelic Drug Technologies, and the Cosmic Game. That is another phrase I'm kind of fascinated that you put in the title, the cosmic game. Uh, Do you mean the game of what's going on in the realm of psychedelics or the game uh, that's going on between the communication inside this DMT realm, so to speak? Yeah, so I I think um, we we, we were kind of discussing the possibility that DMT is some kind of message um, that's been embedded in our reality and that... Um, I've I've kind of thought of myself a lot about you know if if it is a message what's the point you know what why why has whatever or whoever has embedded this information this message um, this intelligence test in our reality what is the purpose of it uh, and it, it kind of occurred to me that that perhaps it was part of some uh, some some kind of game and I don't use the word game to make it sound trivial. Uh, but actually, I, I think of I think of life really as as kind of like a game. You know, I don't I try not to take life too seriously. I, I think life right. is a is a is a crazy dance. It's it you know it's it's an absurd thing to be hurtling around this star. You know, third rock from the sun. Uh, you know, on the, the corner of some obscure galaxy. You know, somewhere in, in the depths of the Milky Way. You know, it's it's a very bizarre situation we find ourselves in, um, and it's very it's very easy to kind of take it extremely seriously and, th- and think that you know this is an ex- life is this extremely serious endeavor. I don't treat it like that. I treat life as being kind of like a game, and I see DMT. You know, one thing that DMT shows you, I think, is it. Is I always find, and people always remark about, that DMT has, despite being extremely bizarre, it has this kind of comical ambience. It's like it's it's winking at you. Um, it's 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 a weird. Like it's, it's joking hard to explain with you, that. teasing you yeah, a little bit the whole time. It's, it's say, exactly. It's saying, "Do you get it yet? Do you get the joke? Do you get it?" Uh, and and I feel like we are we we're, we're kind of. I don't want to say playing a trick on ourselves or that some intelligence playing a trick on us, but it's like that we're, we're kind of under this illusion that this is this, this reality that we're in now is, is so important. Um, whereas in fact, um, that, that, that actually the purpose of our emerging within this reality is really to, you know, playing this game, which is to kind of, to, to escape in some way, to, to access the, the high dimensional space and go and return home. And it's like, wow, you know, and people always talk about, um, when they burst into this space, these elves kind of cheering and there are kind of lights flashing, yeah. and, uh, you know, whistling and it's like, woo, he's job, back, buddy. he's back. You know, <laughs> and they're playing with you and it's like you came home, you know, and there's this profound sense of deja vu as you burst into this place. So there's, there's, there's a very real sense that the DMT is, has this tricksterish, mischievous, comical kind of ambience um, that cannot be dismissed, and I see that it's it's in, always informed my thinking about this. I see the end game. I see the role of the game of life, perhaps, uh, as being this this cosmic game, a game of cosmic proportions. Uh, the aim of which is to discover this little twinkling message. Uh, in uh, in in the natural world, um, kind of like you know the Hansel and Gretel story, 
where they leave the um, the little the little pebbles as they're being led into the forest, um, and then they use them to find their way back. You know, I see DMT. You know, I wrote in one of my essays. I see kind of DMT as being like these these pebbles glistening in the moonlight, kind of leading us back home, um, and and it's kind of like a game to get lost and then to to kind of find your way back. Um, so I don't know whether we intentionally have kind of immersed ourselves within this game uh, in the same way one might immerse oneself in a kind of virtual reality um, with the aim then of, of discovering that it's a game and finding our way back and going, ah, it was, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I finally made it back. You know, that's, that, that has always been kind of a, kind of a fuzzy intuitive idea in my head that that is really what's going on. You know, the mechanics of that and the details are, are not as clear. And that's something I discuss at great length in the book is trying to form a coherent narrative about what is the nature of that game? How does that game actually work? You know, how do you embed intelligent beings inside a kind of digital reality and then allow them to kind of emerge and, um, develop and evolve and discover the message and then find their way out again you know that's the idea but that idea came from a real sense um that this reality and having actually been you know i've been in the meeting with these aliens whether when they're discussing whether or not to switch off the um the simulation you know some kind of crazy well, wild that's a little stuff. scary right what do you mean turn <laughs> it off yeah <laughs> well exactly what i uh, yeah that was the impression that i got and people write to me all the time and say, you know, you're right on about this. I, uh, I, wrote, I wrote an essay called um, Building Human Worlds, um, DMT and the Simulated Universe, in which I looked at connections between the idea that we live in some kind of matrix and actually what's going on with DMT. And people wrote to me and said, hey, you know, I've, I've been there. I've seen the I've seen behind. I've seen under the hood of this machine that is keeping this reality going. And you're absolutely right. And so it, it's it does it. You know, it, it doesn't. You know, it could be a coincidence, but there seems to be something to it that large numbers of people get this feeling um, that they see through and they see this reality as being this this digital construct that we are kind of embedded within, but which we can escape using DMT as this technology. Yeah, imagine that, right? Like you take the Carl Sagan approach; he puts things into perspective. You know, imagine all the bloodbaths that happened. You know, he just keeps zooming out in the Earth. You know, and he's like. And we're fleas on a ball, right? So you look at it that way, too. But you could also imagine it in a way like, I'm Alexander the Great. I'm going to slaughter these people and conquer and create the new world. And then you wake up and the elves are going, good job, buddy. Way to go. Yeah. You know, that was good slaughtering, you know, and you're thinking, what the hell? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I was a human. That that does seem kind of scary. People don't want to think that that could be real, right? Because suffering means so much to us even though i think we cause our own suffering um uh, yeah. for sure it looks like we've got a 828 area code you're on the air with andrew gallimore who are we speaking with what's up this is uh mike can you hear me all right yeah mike what's on your mind um yeah i was just uh i was going to call and add a little something to the, the mix um a uh, little bit of backstory with me um i'm like I'm four. I'm forty, and uh, I grew up kind of like a hippie. When I was uh, probably in my teenage years, we started eating mushrooms and microdots, and you know, just doing the hallucinogenic kind of thing, partying and stuff. And um, you know, I had the friends who would always sit and say when they tripped, they seen pink elephants and seen all kinds of crazy stuff. And I never really had that experience, you know. And um, 
in my late twenties, uh, it's kind of when ecstasy kind of came into the picture and, mm-hmm. uh, me and a friend of mine started kind of messing with ecstasy. And, uh, one night we kind of took it to a little bit of extremes and, um, with X, you kind of take your body temperature up to a different level. Well, ever since then, this kind of goes into something else you had last week. Um, I started seeing shadow people. I have the same four shadow people. When I push through this veil, it doesn't matter now if I eat mushrooms, LSE, anything. I've pushed through that one veil that one time, and I see these people every time. And the hat man, he's kind of weird, because before I ever heard anything about anything about the hat man, I had seen this guy numerous times, probably 20, 30 times. And it was kind of funny because the hat man was the guy who always smoked cigarettes. And um, uh-huh. I would be tripping and I would get up and ask the hat man for a cigarette. And that was what snapped me back in. They were like, hey, man, you just, you know. And I wondered, did, did the doctor ever um, have people that associate these beings that are around us or like opening up something that people see when okay. they use these drugs? To, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, so uh, you're asking, uh, do, do paranormal people? Ex- does doing psychedelics uh, cause paranormal experiences to keep happening in your life? Have you ever, well, what we're talking about with Andrew tonight, we're talking about specifically uh, DMT though, and his research with that. But uh, that's a decent question. Have you ever ran across that in your studies or research where somebody has done DMT? And then after that, they continued to see uh, beings or have uh, episodes in real life, so to speak. Well, I think, I think what these kind of experiences demonstrate, actually, is that the distinction between the DMT state and so-called real life um, or, you know, any kind of psychedelic or drug induced state in real life is actually starts to blur. And you actually realize there's actually a very thin veil between what we we would consider to be uh, the normal waking kind of stable world that we, 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 you know, we assume is the real thing. And, and paranormal experiences, I think, that actually can demonstrate to you that actually the world is very delicate. It's very, very delicate, and it's, it's, there's a, the brain is performing a, a very fine balancing act in, in, in constructing your world. Uh, and what psychedelics do is they, they perturb the brain in, in a such a way that the world changes. Um, now, with DMT, that is quite a profound perturbation that leads to a, a sense of switching of the reality channel completely. Um, however, other drugs also change brain activity in different ways, but they can change brain activity such that the world changes, including MDMA. If you take high doses of MDMA, it does have psychedelic properties. It's, it's a psychedelic amphetamine, after all. Um, oh. so, so it doesn't necessarily surprise me that you know once the brain has learned to kind of shift its tuning and that's really what it's doing imagine shifting a radio slightly out of tune or switching it to an entirely new channel um once it learns to do that there's there is always the possibility that these it it can achieve that or uh, even in the absence of the drug um and so it so once you kind of open that path that pathway that doorway um even when the drug is no longer present these conduits may well still to an extent, you know, whatever they are, um, may still be to some extent um, accessible. And so, you know, seeing shadow people uh, after these kind of experiences, it, you know, it could simply be a manifestation of some low-level, you know, psychiatric condition, or it could be that, you, that there is some, uh, the brain is somehow tuning into something else and that, that something that it achieved under the influence of the psychedelic and that it is huh. still 
kind of doing at a, at a much lower level. So, yeah, I think, you know, the world is, is, is very, is very delicate and it can be shifted. And these things can happen often at the most surprising of times. Thank you for your question, Mike. Very good question. And call back uh, on open lines Friday night. And I'd like to hear more about your story on that. Actually, you know, the, the, what I'm understanding is, is some of these questions, we don't like you remember that, Andrew said earlier that we're not in the late stages of understanding this right now. Um, we're in the early stages. And so it, it, I think it does need to be respected, although still experimented with uh, in a good environment. And I told, I'll be honest with you guys, I told Andrew during the break, you know, most people want to go to shamans and things like that. I, on the other hand, if I was to have someone else do this for me, I would much, much rather be in... I guess around people like Rick Strassman or yourself, Andrew, people that know about the science of this, that would make me feel a lot better, especially with all the shamans out there and the YouTube video of me seeing this woman scream because they just gave her way too much 5-MeO-DMT. I would rather be around scientists that are in a controlled experimental environment than try to figure out, well, who's the right shaman, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're we're lucky in that we're in a much better place these days. In that, you know, twenty years ago, that would have been your choice. Really, it would either be you know working with a a medical scientist, you know, or working with a some shaman, which which vary in their reputation and their abilities. But now, you there's more and more now. There are um, you know therapists and counselors and um, you know psychological therapists and people who actually are specifically working with with psychedelics and have done for many years now. Um, and so you can actually, you have, you have more options now of actually going to somebody who knows how to handle uh, a trip, who knows how to deal with um, bad experiences, who knows how to direct the journey to whatever goal you have, whether it's, um, you know, alleviating some psychological condition or whether it's simply exploring your mind. Um, there are, there are now specialists actually that you can, you don't have to rely on a so-called shaman as such, um, nor do you have to simply go to a psychiatrist who might have his own biases against um, psychedelics. You can actually go to a, you know, someone who really does specialize in, in, in guiding these kind of experiences. Now, based on your, your, what you said earlier about building alien worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what could we do? Could DMT actually change our reality, do you think? Do you think that it we could use this to actually change where we're going as far as the future goes? Technology, AI, where the human race goes. Do you think this type of thing, DMT, can actually shift everything for us? I do. You know, I, I do take that idea quite seriously. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pill to swallow for many people uh, because I think it involves um, – it's not going to involve spaceships – and um, um, you know, leaving force. the planet, is, you know, it's not going to be like that. It's going to, it's going to really jump over that. You know, I mean, um, what's that phrase from? I forget the name of the Russian cosmonaut, but it was echoed by McKenna many times: is that you know, the Earth is the cradle of mankind, but one doesn't remain in the cradle forever. And that's a really powerful idea: the idea that actually we aren't destined. We've perhaps outgrown this little nest. Um, and that we're actually causing more damage now. Uh, we're clearly our technology is is, is harming uh, this this cradle, uh, and it, perhaps there will come a time where we will need to leave the cradle. 
Now, does that mean migrating to Mars, which would be the kind of the obvious kind of approach to that, you know, another planet, perhaps within the solar system or outside of it? Or would it be something much more profound than that, uh, where we actually uh, cast off our physical bodies entirely? Um, now that we understand the nature of intelligence and that perhaps that intelligence, our own intelligence, isn't necessarily restricted to uh, a wet brain, but actually could in fact be transcribed, transferred, uploaded, choose your term, uh, to some other space, uh, might actually be possible within the next century. Um, and, and that DMT could indeed be the tool that will facilitate that. That is something that I've I've written about in the book this idea of transcription, the final kind of stage of the game, the resolution of the game, if you like. Uh, but people have, you know, I've got some quite hostile reactions to it because you know it sounds like a, some kind of suicide cult, right? The idea that you would um, inject yourself with large amounts of DMT over many days and then uh, and then you're, you know, you would, you know, leave behind your physical body. That sounds like suicide by tmt um and and if you go in with a purely physicalist materialist um approach to that then that's really kind of what it is right you know you're dying you're, you're uh, essentially your physical body is gone um so is it not like suicide and of course my response would be no it's nothing like suicide because you're actually you are you know, leaving the material world behind you're entering a, a realm where you perhaps are going to you know be extant to actually live for uh, you know many 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 years you know and actually much longer than one could ever hope to live uh, you know in a, that this little brief sojourn we have in, in the material world um so you know if it's it, it's a it's a delicate issue because people some people are wedded to the idea that we need to get back to nature which i think is a very uh, valuable and perfectly yeah. reasonable approach but some people are kind of more like futurists and um you know post-humanists who want to say actually no let's leave the earth behind let the earth recover uh, and we need to head for the stars and beyond um and those are feel kind of like opposing forces to an extent um and i don't think necessarily fundamentally they necessarily are opposing uh but but they feel like it one is going back towards the earth and the other is firing itself in the opposite direction um but dmt does feel like the it does feel like something that points away from um the earth it feels like it's pointing to somewhere altogether different well when it comes to in my consciousness exploration specifically um we we can only do certain things i mean we can do meditation uh we can uh have we can do transcendental meditation uh, or we can uh, do sensory deprivation or we can do the psychedelic journey either way uh what i find fascinating about this whole subject is regardless of all of that the people that have had breakthrough not just regular dmt experiences but what you call breakthrough dmt experiences has been so profound for them that they have actually stated things like i saw the construct of reality or I saw I was in a place that was reality. This wasn't really reality, uh, and it's just this this pattern that keeps being told that makes people like me curious that want to look into this. And I think that's good. I think that's perfectly natural that we're in the curiosity stage of this. Where what I think the biggest problem is is where people get hung up is <clears throat> they're holding on to their ideas of spirituality, morality, and ethics. And they feel like, uh, I don't know, maybe they're going to burn in hell if they try this stuff or there's going to be some mm -hmm. type of 
never-ending uh, physical thing that happens to them because they they did it bad karma. And we need to realize that uh, these are the types of things that are holding us back. Hell, even spiritually, scientifically, sometimes we've got to be able to go out there and and test new things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think if you go into the DMT state with sort of ideological and dogmatic assumptions about about you know the the goal of humanity and the structure of reality, all of those things. I mean, what DMT actually is very good at is actually uh, you know. It's, uh, kicking your ass so to speak right you know it really it really will slap you in your in the face if you go in there with your your little nice little assumptions about what's really going on um that's that kind of person in my opinion is is most likely to get their their ass whooped um to use the uh, the american terminology there um by by these entities because they will say hey you think you you know what's going on well you know I, i'll show you what's going on sir um you know that <laughs> that kind of thing uh, and and people do experience in that so so you know if you go in with a very strict um kind of non rigid uh, ideology uh, then you expect to uh, have that um, tested in quite a profound way believe me yeah that is funny you get like your your beliefs get knocked around like ping pong balls right and you come oh, back yeah. going, oh, i yeah. don't know what the hell that was um yeah exactly yeah. okay it, well, uh, there's a few more questions I want to ask you here. You guys, if you need want to get your questions in, now's the time, okay? So the call in number is 1-800-588-0335. You can also text in at 501-777-5631 or drop a question in the chat room at uh, the chat room on thefringe.fm. It just says chat at the top. All you got to do is sign up with your name and email, and you'll be in our cult of discord in, on the Fringe FM. We'll be right back with Andrew Gallimore. So. being brought to you by Charles Atlas Birdseed, the only birdseed that'll put muscles on your canary. Yes, after eating Charles Atlas Birdseed for just one month, your bird will be able to lick any cat in the neighborhood with one wing tied behind its back. Ever seen an extraterrestrial? It can be hard to believe they exist unless you've seen one for yourself. What if I told you I've seen them my whole life but have never had a witness who shared the encounter with me? Now, what if I told you I saw four of them, two with blue skin, and there are over 20 witnesses to this CE5 event? My new book, The Blue Beings, Visitation at the UFO Conference, documents actual accounts from real witnesses, many of which have gone on record to attest to this otherworldly reality. Be a part of the quantum paradigm shift that is taking place right now. Go to johnpolkmedia.com to get your copy of the Blue Beans Visitation at the UFO Conference on sale right now at johnpolkmedia.com. That's J-O-H-N-P-O-L-K-media.com.
Introducing Shadow Light Tarot from Waking Canvas. The Fringe FM's new contributing artist, Eric Tisi. This hand-illustrated black-and-white self-published deck serves as a reinvention of the tarot never before witnessed. Each of the several suits of this 88-card deck lineup form an infinite panoramic scene. Even the included visual companion guidebook is entirely hand-illustrated, cover-to-cover with beautiful visuals and esoteric symbols and artwork. The newly released deck comes in a custom magnetic box with its own travel pouch. The Shadow Light Tarot Premium Deck and its travel-sized mini-deck Wonderlight Tarot are both available now from wakingcanvas.com. If you use the code word FRINGE, that's F-R-I-N-G-E at checkout, you'll receive an extra 10% off your entire order. To discover more, including a free reading and time lapses of all the illustrated artwork, make your way over to wakingcanvas.com today. That's wakingcanvas.com. Do you want to know the truth? Are UFOs real? Are aliens visiting Earth? Are governments around the world hiding the biggest secret in history? We're UFO Seekers, official partner of The Fringe FM, and we're on a hunt for the truth. Join us as we investigate locations like Area 51 by subscribing on YouTube at youtube.com slash UFO Seekers. Who were the real ancient Egyptians? What is it about ancient Egypt that captivates us all? The critically acclaimed series Magical Egypt is back with all new episodes. Let Chance Gardner and company take you on another adventure through Magical Egypt in the new series Magical Egypt 2. Magical Egypt 2 attempts a forensic reconstruction of the science of the ancients through a study of ancient aesthetics. Also, the best researchers and authors in the field like John Anthony West, Graham Hancock, Laird Scranton, Robert Duvall, Lon Duquette, Aaron Cheek, and more join together to explore the topics of the esoteric and the hidden messages of the ancient Egyptians. Just go to MagicalEgypt.com right now and put in the code word FRINGE and get 10% off any download or order, including the groundbreaking original Magical Egypt series, as well as the new episodes in Magical Egypt 2. Also, check out the great work and the companion series at MagicalEgypt.com. Click the banner on the Fringe FM or go to MagicalEgypt.com and use the code word FRINGE and get 10% off your order today while it lasts. This portion of the show is being brought to you by... Ed's Flavor Reduced Beer, the one that gives you all the calories of regular beer with only half the taste. Did you know that qualified patients can access medical cannabis in all 50 states? Anasense is a medical cannabis collective that helps patients in all 50 states gain access to cannabis medication. Anasense does this with a streamlined process and strict compliance with the Compassionate Use Act of 1996, the Affordable Care Act, and the U.S. Constitution. It is important for each patient to understand the legalities involved, the cost, and the benefits of cannabis medication. Through truth, legalization, and education, the medical benefits of cannabis will supplant recreational perceptions and the real vision for change will be realized. Let the people and their personal doctors take control of their medical cannabis decisions before the greed of big business takes over. The tipping point for change is today, and CannaSense is ready to lead the charge and enable legal access for all qualified patients to medical cannabis through its proven system. For more information, go to thefringe.fm forward slash care or click the banner on the website today. You're listening to Lighting the Void Radio. All 
right, welcome back to Lighting the Void. We're here with Andrew Gallimore, and we're talking about his book, Alien Information Theory, Psychedelic Drug Technologies, and the Cosmic Game. Don't forget, tomorrow night is our new moon special with the fantastic witchy and Halloween-ish woman, Mary Ducina. So if you want a freaky uh, psychic experience, if, even if you don't believe in psychics, I suggest you listen to that show tomorrow night because you might change your mind. Um, but tonight we're speaking again, like I said, with Andrew Gallimore. We're talking about his book, which is on sale right now on Amazon. I think it's like 25 bucks for the hardcover. This is the time to get it before the soft cover comes out uh, because that's a really good price for this book. And um, with your background and education in this, I don't think it's going to be uh, a waste of money at all. Um, I've got Rick's book here. I've got RN Voots, and this is going to be the next one I get to look into this. So, yeah, I wanted to discuss, too, as I brought this up in your introduction, Andrew, that you're working with uh, Rick Strassman, you know, and everybody knows Rick Strassman for the spirit molecule, specifically as it pertains to prolonging the DMT experience. Now, to some, and I told you this during the break, that's kind of like mad scientist a little bit, right? Like, hey, let's see how much further we can go. But really, if this is a natural thing, and if our body gets rid of it naturally, it's probably a good idea to stay in this realm a little bit longer, right? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, I was speaking earlier that I, I, I see DMT as being a technology. You know, that we've, we've, when we discovered DMT, we uncovered this, this technology embedded in our world. Um, when you discover a technology or a tool you learn to use it and it's it's it would be uh, you know hugely presumptuous to assume that we found you know simply by vaporizing an ill glass pipe that we'd found the the ideal or most optimal way of um using dmt i think that's a massively mistaken assumption and also of course in terms of the experience itself it is brief for most people, uh, that's um, a, a, a wonderful thing that it is so brief uh, because it is such a shattering experience. However, experienced users do uh, express some degree of frustration that they, they can't hang around in that space, um, that just as they're starting, to, the place is starting to kind of stabilize and they're kind of orienting themselves within the DMT space, perhaps starting to communicate with some intelligences. They're then sort of dragged back into the, the normal waking consensus world. Um, so it occurred to me also that it was rather rude. Uh, you know, if, if, <laughs> if we really take seriously the idea that these are intelligences and that they exist, they kind of burst into their world, wander around wide-eyed, <laughs> mouth agape for five minutes, and then, uh, you know, bugger off out the back door again, um, <laughs> is, um, is, is kind of not the way to, to handle uh, interdimensional um, diplomacy, so to speak. Um, so I think... There are many reasons why, for me, uh, simply smoking DMT in a glass pipe, which I perfectly respect, by the way, you know, it's a valid way of, of, of using DMT, uh, is not the optimal way of using DMT, and that we need to think of ways of um, of remaining in the space, of controlling the level of DMT in the brain. That's really the key here, is to bring the level of DMT into the brain to a certain level such that you are in the DMT space, and then to maintain that. Uh, and that is more difficult. Normally what happens, um, whether you smoke DMT or whether you take it with something like ayahuasca, uh, the levels rise in the brain either within sort of 30 seconds if you smoke it or over an extended period of time, you know, over, over 
20, 30, 40, 50 minutes with ayahuasca. Uh, but either way, the levels rise in the brain. They kind of plateau quite briefly and then they start to fall again. Um, so, you know, this is a normal way that drugs behave in the body. So if you want to actually hold someone in the DMT space, what you need to do is, is find a way of regulating uh, the level of DMT in the brain so that you can actually bring them into the DMT space and then hold the level of DMT in the brain such that they remain in that space for, you know, it could be hours, it could be days even or, or even longer. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's looking into the future. That would be the idea and, um, that, that you could actually, um, you know, go for, for really extended expeditions in DMT space and actually carry out more formal, exploration and you know it would involve you know mathematicians and neurologists and uh, linguists and uh, you know you name it uh, you know all these different types of uh, specialists would be involved in this kind of expedition uh, and, and bringing back information from the dmt space over uh, over time and, and that really requires you to, to have, be able to bring someone into the space and hold them there and have some kind of control so this is really where, where rick strasman came in because it occurred to me that the technology that I was thinking about was a technology that, that kind of exists for other drugs, uh, for anesthetic drugs particularly. So general anesthetics, when you go for an operation and you're put under, uh, under general anesthetics, you're put to sleep, what the, uh, the anesthesiologist will do is they will give you, they will use a technique called target controlled intravenous infusion, which means that they they inject, they use a programmable infusion device that will uh, deliver a stream of drug into your bloodstream and thus into your brain um, according to a mathematical model for that particular drug, uh, which will then allow them to put you to sleep and then hold the the level of this anesthetic drug in your brain constant uh, so that um, you remain asleep. Uh, and they can push you deeper or they can bring you out a little bit. And then, of course, they can bring you out completely at the end of the operation. Um, so this is the technology. And I thought, well, DMT seems to have all the kind of pharmacological properties of drugs that are used in this kind of technology. So why not try it with DMT? And so I knew, of course, about Rick's work. Everybody knows about Rick's work. And so I I sent him an email. and I said, you know, I want to develop this technology do you have some data that I can use, some blood sampling data? And sure enough, he, you know, within less than an hour, he he delivered me this this old Excel file uh, from about twenty years ago that um, that had all of the the blood sampling data from his subjects. And wow. So that that was kind of exactly what I needed. Uh, that cool. allowed me, yeah, yeah, that allowed me then to develop this pharmacokinetic model, this mathematical model of DMT distribution and metabolism in the brain. Um, that then formed the backbone of this technology, which we published together, uh, is this paper that um, that describes the technology, basically. So are you allowed to do this now? Are you allowed to try these experiments yet? Are you ready to go to try to prolong it, do you think? I mean, as far as like trials and ha- whoever gets the permission to do this. I mean, it's this uh, the 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 model as we published it is really kind of like a proof of principle, like you know, to demonstrate right. that it work. But then there are a number of steps one has to take before one actually implements it in human being. You know, the the model was really an 
a model for an average human being, which, of course, doesn't really exist. So humans are very variable in various uh, different aspects, pharmacological yeah. and physiological. So there is a number of testing and uh, refinements and validations that need to take place. But that is being done. There are there is a group, a group at Imperial College London, led by Robin Carhart Harris and Professor David Nutt. They are they are seriously thinking about implementing it, not for establishing communication with alien intelligences. They're doing it for a much more uh, academic reason, so that they can actually study the DMT brain, DMT infused brain, um, um, for it for extended periods. But the the result will still be the same. The technology will be there and and will be available for anyone really um, with um, access to a programmable infusion device, which are actually pretty cheap. They, for less than a thousand dollars, you can get one of these infusion devices. That doesn't mean I'm recommending people go out and do this. It's it, it's not at all. Um, it, sure. The technology really needs to be refined and and developed it's not just about the device it's also about how the device is controlled and the, the mathematical model that's behind it in order to get this to work uh, it could be very dangerous if it was just you know done recklessly um yeah so there's the, the, and there's another group in colorado uh, head by daniel mcqueen uh, called dmtx.org uh, people can go to that website and it'll describe that they're really trying to um, kind of closer to my original vision in the you know taking the idea that the, these are places to explore and to navigate and to map and to you know establish communication with these intelligences they're kind of taking more of that approach but they're they have a less much much less academic you know established academic team uh, behind them so they they face more hurdles but they're you know they're they're very tenacious they're actually doing a, a retreat next week and uh, they've actually got the first clutch of volunteers uh, for these, you know, these extended DMT um, psychonauts have already, you know, there's already a handful of people that have volunteered. Yeah, I was going to say, I got five right now I could send them, you know. <laughs> they'll, 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 yeah. they'll happily do this stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of would too, you know, like, uh, again, I'm saying I would, I trust this type of environment more than I do yeah, you know, just the shaman thing. You know, that kind of, I wanted to ask you this earlier and I'll ask now the the idea of taking ayahuasca and I get why people do it. They have a, I guess a milder prolonged experience like this, but it's, do you think that's even necessary? It's another thing, right? That's really not necessary. The purging, the sickness, all the stuff you go through just to have that experience. Do you think it's even worth it? Well, I mean, I think, one has to i mean i have a you know deep respect for that particular sure. tradition i mean without without these indigenous traditions we, you know we wouldn't have discovered dmt or certainly wouldn't have discovered it in the way that we did in the time that we did because it was you know it was it was done it was dmt was discovered by Stephen Zara, who was looking at these one of these in, uh, traditional kind of snuffs that contains DMT. So, to, so you know, to traditional kind of more spiritual uses of, of DMT in the ter- in, in in the form of ayahuasca, it has a whole. Uh, there's there's a whole. It's in, interconnected with a whole range of, of mystical ideas and spirituality and and and, uh, and you know and the earth and all this kind of stuff. And I think it's important that you know ayahuasca is used within that kind of embedded within that environment you know these real good shamans anyway you know they know exactly what they're doing and they can you know and i think it is for many people an extremely profound and important experience and i don't see 
my idea or my way of using DMT as being in competition or as, or as even as being an, an advancement. I just think it's, it's, it's a completely different way of looking at it. Mm. You know, ayahuasca is, is, is a very, uh, is embedded within that particular worldview, within that particular mythology, um, that particular, you know, religious position um, that these indigenous people have. And actually that must be respected uh, for sure. Uh, I'm taking a completely different uh, approach where we're using purified DMT to reach very high level, much higher levels in the brain than are reached with ayahuasca, you know, five or six times um, higher. You know, when you smoke DMT, the level of DMT in your brain goes, uh, you know, it's about five or six times higher than whatever we reached uh, uh, under the influence of, of ayahuasca. Um, so, so they're completely different things. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I try not to compare them. I tr- certainly would never say that my approach is superior. Uh, it's just a very different way of, of working with DMT. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, I know that this, what you're talking about though, right now would be interesting to, I, I'm curious about what, what I, Rogan would think about it. I guarantee you I've watched that. Everybody's listened to the Rogan podcast, right? I wonder if someone said, Hey man, I found a way to prolong this experience, right? What, what, would you be interested in it? I bet he would volunteer for it too. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is important to him. And you know, there's, there are people in the chat room right now, even asking, do you think he would, well, you know, do you think he would want to stay like in this experience forever? I mean, how long do you think the human mind could handle it? That's a pretty good yeah, question. That, it's, it's an excellent question actually, because as I as I've been saying throughout this discussion, this conversation is that the brain is constructing a model of reality, and it uses information from from the environment. And and and, and, the, and every time you open your eyes and you look out and you see the world, the, your brain is is being changed by the information it's receiving in subtle ways. And under the influence of DMT, if you're there for a long time, your brain is essentially going to start to learn in effect to construct a completely different model of, of reality yeah. uh, will actually start to change uh, and so the question then is what happens when you you know you cut off the dmt and you try to return to the normal waking world what's that transition going to be like after you've been for three weeks <laughs> in the dmt state <laughs> right. you know um and that's that's something that we don't simply don't know the answer to that question that's something that will, will come out of these experiments of course i'm not suggesting that people should immediately be diving in for three weeks so that's certain there's a lot of other considerations you need to go into uh into, you know how do you feed people for a start how do you get rid of waste you know these are practical issues that need to be dealt with but you know initially it would be you know 30 minutes and then an hour and then you know a couple of you know you would extend it gradually uh, and and any kind of issues that need to be dealt with would be dealt with there and then so it's a, it's a it's a process you know this is not the the finished pristine gleaming technology this is just the first uh, the first idea um, uh, that would then the nascent form of the technology in a prototypic kind of stage that would then be developed uh, over time. And that might take several years um, uh, t- to reach the kind of stage where people are routinely lying down next to one of these machines and then sort of you know plugging in some kind of time, you know, saying I want to go for a week and then, you know, setting off. And <laughs> um, that's that's a little bit in the future. But I do see that, you know, I call it the D-Matrix machine. Um, this this oh, machine cool. that you that would be fairly uh, fairly common that people would be able to uh, you know set off to the the, the universe next door uh, with, with relative ease. Now this is kind of a nerdy question, but it's for me. It's based on absolutely zero research. 
Okay. But uh, <laughs> sure. do you think that it's possible access in these realms that we could actually see into, I don't know, Alpha Centauri or whatever planet, you know, that there are actually races of beings, like I said in my introduction of the show, that understand this, that communicate this way? Do you think that's possible? I, I absolutely do think that's possible, and 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 you're right that these, you know, I, I I tend to focus on, for various reasons, I tend to focus on beings outside of our universe, uh, simply because the DMT space does seem like an entirely separate universe. Uh, but certainly, it's possible that intelligences that evolved within this universe, but have evolved to a, over a much longer period of time, may well have established techniques for communicating and presumably you know if they're traveling vast distances they have some handle on the structure of space-time um and 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 on the way that information can be transmitted uh and that they may well be using you know substances chemicals programs that that interface with the brain uh directly such as you know that would seem to us to be you know a psychoactive drug of some sort uh that would allow uh, communication between these uh, these different uh, races of, uh, of of alien intelligences to take place. You know, I think it's a perfectly reasonable possibility. And that means, guess what? Then it's perfectly reasonable to say, like as you said before, what if Alex Jones was right? There exactly. is actually a whole <laughs> blog article you wrote about this, with every single uh, I would say every single variable in mind when it comes to what he was talking about there. Make no doubt about it. Like, I have no question in my mind that they're the, some of the highest company, you know, like Google, who, you name it, the government are definitely experimenting with this stuff. Because think about it. Yeah. I mean, it takes people that have, at the very least, that don't have an awareness to anything, you know, somebody that has a belief structure that's really walled in. They have one major DMT experience, and they're open to new things, studying new things. I've even heard how some people's intelligence has increased. So that's, that's enough right there for the government to get involved. But if you're actually speaking with other entities and stuff, they're definitely going to get involved with that. I mean, look, they did it with remote viewing and everything else, but there's something more real to this than, uh, than I would say than most, than most other things that we talk about, like Montauk and mind control. That's another thing while I got you here, crazy off, just left turn real quick, but you study the human mind, right? Project Montauk, yeah. mind control stuff. You think that that's even that's possible that it's real that they really do those types of things? Uh, I don't rule anything out. I mean, I'm not an expert. I couldn't I couldn't say the mechanism or how that worked, but it's um, programmable. The brain, though, yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the brain is a essentially it's a extremely complex computational device, and once you understand the way that that computer ticks, so to speak, uh, it, it it's always uh, open to hacking, I guess, with the word we might use. Um, you know, in a sense, you know, psychedelic drugs, they kind of hack the brain and that they, they alter the way that it operates. Um, are there other ways of, of achieving that? Almost certainly, yes. Yeah, for sure. And I, I used to not believe in any of this stuff, man, like none of it. All you conspiracy wackos, you don't know what you're talking about until you start to see your own programs. And psychedelics yeah. will do that to you. It'll it'll get to where you can see your own programs. Um, I've noticed that in your presentations, like if people really want to get an effective view of what you're talking about, um, they can go on YouTube and watch a couple of your presentations, which I find fascinating. That it seems to me that you're talking about there is some type of communication that's coming in through 
base form um, through this stuff? Is it like binary code? That's what I'm trying to understand. Is it basic geometry? You know how some people say crop circles are messages from consciousness or Mother Earth just trying to open our open us up to certain things or increase our awareness. You get that kind of same feel with DMT and some of the messages that are coming through? Yeah, I get the feeling that, I mean, whenever you talk about messages, it's always about the flow, the movement of information. A message is really transmission of information from a sender to a receiver. Um, the sender which creates the message and then the receiver which receives and then decodes and understands the message. Uh, and, 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 and the question really about with DMT is, is how does that information transfer take place? How does information from this other place and these other intelligences, how can it enter your brain? And that's really what has to happen uh, for you to communicate with these species, these beings. So really that's my, the whole book really is, is trying to develop a kind of a coherent, cogent model of how that might work, of how that information uh, might be transmitted from these orthogonal dimensions of reality into this um, little realm, um, little slice of reality that we exist in. I think everybody really needs, if you're interested in this, this is a really good scientific approach to this and an academic approach to this subject. Um, I, I do want to say there are some general questions I would like you to address. One being um, when people say, oh, well, you're talking about prolonging the experience are you talking about now it seems like you're chasing a high well you know I, I noticed that in a couple messages in the chat room you don't really get high when you do this i mean earlier you were talking no. about how you can get beat up like basically your beliefs just get mm. tossed around that doesn't sound like a euphoric experience to me no no it's not a high. the dmt state is not a high a high is can really be applied to a, a, a completely different class of drugs or classes of drugs you know the amphetamine the stimulant type drugs and the sort of narcotic drugs these are psychedelics they these are mind manifesting drugs they change the structure of your reality it is not a high uh, at all it is a, it's a, a reality channel switch um you are certainly not chasing uh, a high in the same way that one might uh, you know, become habitually uh, a habitual user of cocaine or heroin at all. This is nothing like that at all. There's no habit forming um, addictive property of, of DMT at all. You know, most people use it once and they don't go back to it for quite a long time, you know, just to integrate the experience. So, so no, it's, it's completely different. I, I agree. And I haven't even done it yet. I've <laughs> only agree based on what everybody said. Look, I really thank you for coming on the broadcast. I really appreciate it. I know you got to get back to your work and because uh, you're in Japan right now. It would be cool. I think yep. you're the first guest we've ever had that's uh, <laughs> spoke to us from Japan. Um, but I want everybody to go check out the book. Um, also, give them a follow. Look, buildingalienworlds.com. You have your blog there, your writings, your, your pr pretty much everything we've talked about tonight in more detail yep. on the website, right? Yeah, so my website, buildingearlyworlds.com, so there's sections on my writings, a lot of papers I've written about DMT. Um, also, there is uh, lectures that I've given that are kind of linked, they link to YouTube videos, etc. cetera, um, podcasts, interviews, um, and the blog on there as well, as well as a contact page. So if you've got a burning question, as long as it's fairly brief, um, I don't want a three-page trip report. <laughs> I just don't have the time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, a brief question, then, you know, there's a contact page, and you can – I try to get back to people. But if, if, if they're too rambling and incoherent, then uh, you, you might might not get a response. <laughs> but I do do my best. And then the book, of course. Uh, you can also order the book from my website directly. 
Um, or you can go to Amazon and go and search for alien information theory, and that will come right up. Fantastic. And you can also give give them a follow at Alien Insect on Twitter. That's right, Alien Insect, right? And Alien yeah, Insect alien on Instagram. Insect. Um, yeah, please do that. Yeah. I think, I don't know how many copies of this book are available in hard copy, but if you want the hard copy, I would grab it now for the price that it's at now. And uh, listen, thanks for coming on the broadcast. This has been a, a big deal to me, but to be able to talk to you about this with your background and, and all of your presentations, I've got a, a lot better understanding about what you're doing, where this whole DMT thing is as far as the research is going. And uh, this has been a really, really pleasant conversation for me. Thank you very much. It's been great. You guys, all the links will be there too for you podcast listeners that don't make it out to the live show. Uh, that'll be there for you as well. All the links, all the social links, grab the book. We'll be back. I want you to, if you can, as we wrap the show down, if you've had an experience with DMT, give us a call. Uh, call in. I'd like to hear about it in the last 30 minutes of the show. We'll be right back. to the fringe fm and i'm michael deacon reminding you you can find my show right here on the fringe fm every sunday night at 9 p.m pacific standard time 12 p.m eastern time or by going to michaeldeacon.com the choice is yours we all have that story to tell in our lives the winds were howling the ground shook you could hear rushing water and then History repeats itself. When there's no power, refrigeration fails, doors with their shelves strip bare, ATMs can't operate, deliveries stop, then what? These events can last days or weeks. You need a plan. In statements made during recent interviews, FEMA Administrator Brock Long has repeatedly urged all Americans to understand three truths. FEMA is broke. The system is broken. If this is the new normal, Americans can't rely on federal cavalry when disaster strikes. Don't get caught out in the elements empty-handed. Prepare with us by going to preparewiththefringe.com and get your two-week food supply, 92 servings, eight food varieties with 25-year shelf life, normally $137 
$1,000, now only $75. Or get a month's supply, normally $247, now only $147 shipped in one business day. Just go to preparewiththefriends.com or call 888-440-7931. That's 888-440-7931. Get this great offer and be prepared while it lasts. This is Reverend John M. Polk. Please visit me at johnpolkmedia.com and visit my show, Quantum Hologram Matrix, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday on thefringe.fm. This is Rev. Dan Lopez from Spiritual Warrior Today Radio, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. All right, everyone, this is Justin from the UK. Excuse the chitty chitty. If you're into the fringe and you want to hear the brass tacks, me old China plate, Joe Roop, and his guests on Light in the Void will open your mince pies. You need to shut your north and south and use your 10-speed gears and listen to them bubble. You could hear a Barry Crocker, no Brussel, but he ain't no holy fryer. Anyway, you be the Barnaby Rudge and take a butcher's. I like to listen to Lighting the Void because of the guests, the content, and the host, Joe Roop. He's smart, he's intelligent, and he seems to ask the questions that we all have on our mind. We're all searching for the truth, and Joe helps us get closer to it. I love this show. I love this show. I love this show. Lighting the Void. This is Jason Lindgren from Crow 777 Radio, and you can hear us 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Saturday night here on The Fringe FM. Alex this is Alex Exum of the Exum Experience and Live Talk, where we discuss current events, society, and culture. My shows are based in actuality, actual existence, contrasted with what was intended, expected, or believed. You can listen to me live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. only on KTLK The Fringe FM. to Lighting the Void. Now, if you've had an experience with this, I'd like to hear about it. Please 
call in at 1-800-588-0335. You can also call in at 501-424-5130. Even it, it doesn't necessarily have to be DMT, but that would be epic. But any type of uh, psychedelic experience that you've had and uh, what the after effects of it would be, please give us a call. Also, don't forget tomorrow night, Mary Ducina is going to be here with us. It's our new moon special once again. Mary Ducina is here. And if if you have, usually the phones just break when she comes on, but if, if you have like a uh, natural skepticism towards uh, psychic abilities or you want to get a free reading, um, or you just are curious about who Mary Ducina is, you definitely need to call in. And uh, if you're even got more time on your hands and you're more curious, you can go back through our archives, which is on YouTube. Also, our archives are on iTunes, Stitcher, Android, or what's it? What is it now? Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. All of that is there for free. So um, we keep it that way because the support keeps coming in. I do have a membership site there for like commercial free archives but as long as support keeps coming in for the show then you know it'll always remain free the archives will always remain free now i do want to say one more thing before we start taking your calls and we speak to miss lady ann about this too is that i uh i know that i lag on the archive sometimes but you have to you have to understand that my whole focus is on the fringe fm all of the other shows that I produce, as well as this nightly show that comes on too. And so sometimes, you know, the archives will lag, but I won't get them in a situation where you're going to have to wait like three days or something before you ever hear uh, the archive. So last night's show with Jot Van Etten is going to be on. That'll be up tomorrow, as well as tonight's show will be up too. So now if you are interested in commercial-free archives, and you'd be willing to do that because some people, do, you know, they don't want to support just because they don't know where their money's going because uh, they're afraid I'm going to buy ginger beer or something. Um, let me know. You know, if enough people get involved and say they want it, I'll make it fair. You know, I'll, it'll be like 3 to $5 or something for it. It'll be commercial-free archives with uh, extra content as well because, uh, you know, some people just don't like hitting that fast-forward button through the commercials. And... Um, I try to make our commercials fun. Now, guess what? I don't know how stable our connection is. I may have to call her on the phone. But Lady Ann is back in the virtual shack with us again. Lady Ann, are you there? I am. You jumped right out of the gate. And I said, you know, I don't want to do this experience alone. DMT, I don't want to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And you said, well, I'll do it with you. Why? Is it, why I thought you, I did. Why? Why were you the first one to be so brave? I'm growing very fond um, of you, if people haven't noticed. <laughs> I, uh, it's something that I've thought about before. I mean, uh, an ability to connect with beings? Well, yeah, why not? It doesn't matter what kind of beings they are. What if they're scary? What if they beat you up like he was talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, it, but what if they're not? Yeah. So, I mean, you never know. So I would be willing, I would definitely be willing to take that chance. I want to know more. I want to connect with, you know, the universe and different beings if that's really real. And yeah. Now you can only stay it right now the way they have it. Uh, you can only stay, like if you did take DMT, 
you would only be able to stay in this realm for five, what is it, like five to 15 minutes. So in that five right. to 15 minutes before you start fading out, if there was one experience that you would like to see, uh, what would it be? Would it be the geometry, the construct, or would you really want to meet like a machine elf? Is it really all about the entities for you? <laughs> um, you know, to be honest, I would... I would want to go into it being completely open and just allowing the universe to show me what it is I'm supposed to see or know or connect with for that first experience. Granted, it was a good one, you know, because um, we're not limited to just one experience. So why not have the first one just be an open experience? That's fair enough. No limitations. Yeah. Fair enough. I look at it like Stargate, right? That's the way he had me thinking, like that movie Stargate. You know, if Mm -hmm. this is the way it really is, then you could go into this experience. You could go through the Stargate, so to speak, and uh, you Mm -hmm. can only stay in there so long uh, and then come out. I would want to see, like, another humanoid. I want to see if there's real, Mm -hmm. like Travis uh, Walton said, humanoid figures that look just a little bit different than us. I want to go to wherever they are. Um, right. What are they called, by the way? Um, the human, everybody says, look how beautiful they are. The humanoid alien figures, a lot of their blonde haired blue eyed. What are they called? Oh, right. The, there's yeah, a name for them. It's not the Lumerians, is it? Nah, there's a different name for them. I don't know what it is. Arcturians? Maybe. That's maybe. You know, when I get on here, I can't even think of names and stuff anymore. But if there's other human races out there in uh, in the universe, I want to know about it. Uh, look at that. Right. Lady Anne is such a sweetheart. Yes, Lady Anne is a sweetheart. That's for sure. And by the way, uh, for the first time ever, I've invited Lady Anne down here to um, Arkansas with me to go to the paranormal conference. Everybody knows I don't like to go to conferences and stuff, but... The Arkansas Paranormal <laughs> Conference is, or Expo, is, um, it's kind of like when you go back to meet your family for the first time. Nordic. That's right, Dan. Mm-hmm. Duh. Nordic beings. Okay. <laughs> when you, it's kind of like when you go back and you go back with family or you have that family reunion. They really make mm-hmm. me feel that way every time I go there. And it's not a very large event, but the people from Board Camp Crystal Mine are going to come up and, um, it's something that like I have to go to now, you know, and mm. it's really going to be cool to have some help there. Maybe I can actually let you talk on the microphone while we're there so I can go around and shake hands. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be uh, my first event that I've attended. So, yeah. And if you're in Arkansas or around the, uh, around Arkansas, it's going to be October the 5th and the 6th Saturday. I'm not sure if, um, going to be there sunday or not i'm hoping so it'll really be depending on the traffic and what's going on that weekend but saturday for sure we'll be out there we'll have the booth out there i'm going to try to get some swag and t-shirts and stuff this time instead of having you know a paper sign with a birthday cloth on top of it you know last time i left corbin there i just said hey just you know hold the booth down i felt like such a jerk you know terrible dad but um, <laughs> I got to tell you b- about this experience I had there. Um, so mm-hmm. this was last year. No, it was actually the year before last. And Rusty went with me. 
And I had the booth there, right? And I had the uh, just the Fringe FM banner below the table. And I was wearing shorts. Now, these were dress mm-hmm. shorts, like golf-style dress shorts. And <clears throat> that's all I had. This is why your mother always tells you to take a change of clothes with you everywhere you go, right? <laughs> so I'm back, you know, I get to the booth and I sit down really fast and I kind of sat down in a way where I had a wider base and I sat down really fast and it stretched the inseam mm-hmm. of my shorts and ripped them from <laughs> the zipper down to the leg, right? And I mean, just you immediately you could feel the air just whoosh, come in and i was like holy (laughs) shit right you know and there's a few booths across Mm -hmm. from me these girls are selling like ghost away spray or something i don't know they had like bottles of spray ghost away and (laughs) (laughs) so i got my hands down there and i'm kind of like trying to scoot over behind the sign so nobody can see me and i know one of those women saw me because her face turned red when she looked at me and i was like oh shit you know like, did she see that, that, you know, God, I hope not. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was a hot day. You know, you don't want anybody to see all that. And, uh, and so I'm stuck at the booth and Rusty's gone. Jeff's not there. Corbin's not there. So I literally called, this is so embarrassing, man. I called my dad, my father and my dad, my dad's like, what? You know, I thought you was at this paranormal event or whatever. What do you want? You know, and I'm like, well, um, mm-hmm. I need some shorts. And he's like, what? You know, <laughs> the hell are you talking about? And I said, I ripped my shorts and I can't move. Like, I literally can't move. I'm supposed to do interviews in about an hour. Cannot move. And when you bring them to me, you've got to be real sneaky like, you know, don't just bust up in here and go, here's your shorts, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting experience. My son, God love him. Mm-hmm. This is why family is so important. He made it a point to like hide my shorts, right? And then he got on. There's a little elevator Aww. in this building. It goes from level one up mm-hmm. to level two. And he walked over there and he goes, here, and just handed them to me. And I said, all right, you got a bag? Walk me to the bathroom, right? So he picks up <laughs> this bag, my son does, and just holds the bag mm-hmm. to where I'm walking at this angle, right? To where I can get to the bathroom and nobody ever saw what happened. I couldn't believe it, you know. And, uh, wow. You know, that's why I'm bringing you in case something like that happens again. You know, I don't want to be alone. <laughs> I, I'm there for you. Would you be willing to help me out of that I'll jam? Take, of course. I'll take care of you. That would be fantastic because that was a nightmare for me. Uh, I'm sure I can understand that. Speaking of nightmares, <laughs> I think this time we might actually put the the uh, booth down. So this is this is MacArthur Museum. This is where like uh, where the war generals and stuff met up, and it was one of those houses where mm-hmm. people slept into. But at the bottom mm-hmm. is uh, it's underground on purpose, you know, in case the place got bombed or attacked or whatever. There's like this war room type right. thing. They have seances down there every time. And it's like a very kind of like haunting experience. Well, they told me that I could put the booth down there in that thing. And I'm really, it would take me away from the crowd, but wouldn't it be cool if we actually picked up some EVPs and stuff in there? Mm Mm-hmm. No, that would be fascinating. That'd be a lot of fun. I just don't want any, uh, (laughs) I don't want to take anything home. (laughs) 
<laughs> what do you mean? Like take any haints back home with you or something? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Does that really happen? Yeah, you can get attachments from anywhere. Yeah, no wonder I got so many haints here because I never even know, you know. I uh, didn't even know that was a mm-hmm. thing. So what do you do oh, yeah. when you leave a paranormal conference? If you leave a paranormal conference, that is interesting. Are you subject to more haints? Sorry, haints is a southern term for poltergeist. But <laughs> do you have uh, a higher possibility of getting bad juju on you? Just because you're at a paranormal event, I wonder. Mm, I mean, it depends on the people that you're around and their energy, the energy and spirits attached to the location that you're at. But at the same time, it's no, it's really not too awful different from going to the grocery store or checking out a haunted hotel or, I mean, spirits are everywhere. If you could actually see, you know, the spirit realm with your own eyes here, I think you'd be surprised that there's just as many, I think. Uh, spirits roaming around as there are people roaming around what do you so. what are your what's your i don't know why we started talking about this but i don't really care you, you know dmt <laughs> we're gonna we might you know what right if you listen <laughs> if you're coming down uh-huh. well i'll just say that that might happen you know and then we'll do a whole yeah. show about it what do you think i'm down i just don't want to do it by myself i don't want to be like like in the grass somewhere flipping out if i can find this let me see if i can find this there's a uh there's a video the only thing that scares the hell out of me from doing dmt is Mm -hmm. i don't know if you saw it but this woman literally does like freaks out on dmt big time um oh yeah this is it i don't know all right so you guys prepare yourself for this so I'm not saying that DMT is dangerous, but if you go to a shaman or one of these quote shamans that know what they're doing and they give you like, here, hit it again, hit it again, you know, hit it again. You got to watch out because you don't know what they're going to do to you. Listen to this. Let's see if I can get this on the uh, air. here. So she takes a big dose of uh, DMT, right? They got towels wrapped around her now she loses her like legging so these guys are letting her lay on the beach or whatever now she's flipped over on her belly listen to this can you imagine that she's trapped think about that that might happen Mm -hmm. that's why i don't want to do it alone right you know uh right she's kicking the water with her feet like a baby screaming to the top of her lungs Mm -hmm. and this guy's just holding like a maraca or whatever like you're okay you know just whatever man i would get in a fight i would be in jail after that well then again i'm sure you're gonna find something spiritual about this (laughs) well what if it's what if she's you know purging some demons dude maybe it's 
a healing. I mean, no, I know, but <laughs> if it's really connected to spirit and all that stuff. What if it's not, though? What if it's all in the mind? I mean, look, there's DMT. Well, I probably need to be clear about mm-hmm. this. So there's DMT, and then there's 5-MeO-DMT, which is more potent, right? They were, mm-hmm. you know, we've even had callers call in and say, hey, Joe, you know, if you're going to do this stuff, make sure that you start out small. Don't just go f- the full Monty and try to have a breakthrough experience. Like this woman, right. they were giving her bong rips of this stuff and then covering her with towels of 5-MeO-DMT. Now, what kind of shaman in his right mind would do that? True, true. No, you wouldn't. You definitely would want to start small. There yes. should be a whole process to it, not just jumping into the deep end. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I've went out and looked for this stuff on my own, and, and you know that's what is that? Can somebody lock me up for saying that? Maybe I don't know. I never got any of it. How about that? Uh, but I ran into some people that would say things like, "Yeah," I said, "Well." Do you have uh what did you see? Did you have an experience? What happened? Well, man, uh, I, I saw some Egyptian stuff, if that's what you mean. Yeah, like a little bit. And I'm like, wow, you know, thanks. So mm-hmm. that's another thing is getting a hold of it, too. I'm sure somebody listening would right. happily volunteer if this was to really happen and help me out and guide me in the right direction. Hint, hint, mm-hmm. anybody out there? <laughs> But you're serious, though. You'd really do this with me. Like I wouldn't do it. I, you would, for sure. Of course I would. God, you're so brave. What if I flip out, though? Like, what if I'm the one screaming like a baby, uh, and you're there, and everybody sees? <laughs> what are you going to do? I'll, I'll comfort you. With a rattler? What else like is that shaman? Are you going to hit a tambourine? <laughs> Well, if there's somebody there that knows of uh, what to do, then I'll, you know, do what they they tell me to do. But other than that, all I can do is whatever my intuition tells me to do. What if I just do me a favor, would you? If I start screaming like that, call 911. 911. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I want to go to the hospital. (laughs) I don't want to be. I don't want to be stuck in that state, you know. And this is, that's my whole right. point. I don't think you should do it alone. I think you should uh, be around somebody that knows what they're doing. Like this stuff should be respected if you're, if you're going to do it. Um, and I don't want people to think I'm promoting doing this stuff because I'm not, uh, but I can't make anybody happy when I talk about it. I make a certain crowd happy. Then I piss off the people that don't like it. Like the super spiritual people that think it's bad. And then if I say, yeah, you're right, these guys are psychonauts, then the psychonauts get mad. So I'm, I'm kind of in between. I'm not so sure. And this is one of those things where I really feel like um, you're going to have to experience this to know. There's no way around it. Right. You, we're not going to be able to read books. Uh, as much as these people try to portray what's really happening in these realms, mm-hmm. there's no way of knowing. Like DMT is the one thing, I think, where you really have to face your fears and uh i've noticed something about you lady ann yeah you're not scared <laughs> of the dark are you uh well i mean i'm afraid of the unknown i, I mean that in but... every way by the way oh yeah no sir Mm-mm. 
dangerous. I'm very fond of you. <laughs> dangerous. Uh, there's there's a <laughs> there's a lot of beauty in the dark that uh, people will see if they just face it. So really, what do you mean by that? I don't know. The the only. I always reference, you know, the fact that the stars wouldn't be as beautiful as they are without the dark. I think the dark is very essential. True. But do you mean like, Mm -hmm. when I think about the dark, I think about like boogeyman, demons, and, you know, changelings. I don't want to face that kind of stuff. Well, it's it's not just facing that kind of stuff. It's also facing your inner darkness, your inner turmoil, and... You know, your fears and everything. I mean, it's just as important as, you know, doing all the love and light stuff and talking about fairies and elves. I want to see a fairy. And... <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That so would let's, be cool. let's go to the chat room real quick. Psychonauts are fun. Okay. I actually saw Mary in here, um, Ducina. She was going to type something and then poof, disappeared like the wind. She's not she's not a chat room type of person. Uh it only lasts a few minutes. Just ignore him. Thanks a lot, Don. I thought you were my buddy, right? That's what she said. If Joe freaks out, it only lasts a few minutes. Ignore just ignore him. him, right? He'll get over it. Uh Lady Anne has a sweetheart sounding voice. I totally agree. Um she's probably <laughs> gonna film it, Joe. Don't film that. I'll never forgive you if you film me freaking out. <laughs> no. I promise. You have my word. Um, let's see. How long was that girl like that? I don't know. I fast forwarded the video, but she was terrified flipping around. It was like five minutes where she was screaming like that. Maybe it was Salvia. That's not DMT. I don't know, man. The video says, what does the video say? DMT takes a rough turn. Woman has a crazy experience with crazy experience with five MEO DMT. So it was definitely uh DMT. We'll take this phone call just real fast. And then we'll roll out here. Uh, three, eight, five area code. You're on the air. Who are we speaking with? Yeah. Hey, this is Kevin. How are you? Good, man. What's on your mind? Good. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've had quite a few DMT experiences. Really? Um, one thing I want to point, yeah. One thing I want to point out really fast is five MEO is very different than what we call DMT. So, DMT that Andrew was talking about is called NNDMT, and 5-MEO is a uh, derivative of DMT. So the two experiences are not similar by any means. I just wanted to point that out for you. So the 5-MEO experiences can be a lot like uh, the video that you were uh, talking about with uh, people screaming and flipping around and uh, that type of thing, but DMT is not like that at all. NNDMT. Uh, with, you know, with the guest tonight Andrew's talking about is, is more, you kind of just lay back and close your eyes and go for the ride, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, wow. Cool. But yeah, you know, I've, 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 met, I've met entities, um, you know, in, in my experience, they're generally just light beings, uh, you know, very, uh, very cool. You know, if they speak to you, it's kind of uh, telepathically. Um, I haven't got any sort of uh, great messages or anything. They're just kind of around doing their thing. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy experience for sure. It's uh, 
very colorful, very geometric. But I do got to say, it can be difficult to get, quote, unquote, to that breakthrough experience. Yeah, well, I'm not looking for the breakthrough experience, actually. um, I don't even think I want to get to that point. Speaking of which, I'm already over time here, uh, but I do want to talk to you just for a second off the air, and then maybe you can call back in uh, during, uh, you know, open lines and talk to us about this. But I do got to get out of here. I'm doing my buddy Ryan Gable a disservice. Hang on the line for me just for one second there. Uh, But you guys don't forget uh, that the show is produced by The Fringe FM. Please don't copy it without written permission. I do want to thank Pacho for hooking this show up, Don for helping me out with it, Lady Ann, Jeremy, Eric, uh, all of you guys for your support. And if you can support, you really could use it right now. If you can't, just share and love and like the show. We'll see you guys tomorrow night with our new moon special, Mary Decina. Secret Teachings is coming up right Thank you.